Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. It's September 15th, and you're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, speaker, author, and business coach for people seeking visibility, vitality, and extraordinary impact. And on my show, as you probably know, it's all about motivation, inspiration, holistic health, spirituality, and more. And today we're diving deep on the topic of the body. We're going to be talking about the power of the body and life's journey with my three amazing guests that I've got lined up for you. And in this order, I'm going to kick off with returning guest, Kim Knight. She'll be talking today about the power of the body to self-heal. After that, I'm chatting with Joe Birch on detoxing your body and lessening your toxic load. I'm in fact doing a four-week challenge at the moment or a a free online course in my group all about um, detox. Uh, This week is all about detox, but each week it's different. It's such a great time to have a look at what you're putting in and on your body. You're going to learn tons in that interview with Joe. And next up, our final interview, Dana Lee, and we're going to be talking about life's journey here and now. It's going to be amazing. Before we dive into those, I'm going to share with you some feedback from our listeners from last week. Thank you to Robert, who writes in, Dear Natalie, love your show. I have attached a t-shirt I'd love to wear. Uh, Meme, I hope you like it. I'm sure we could add uh, Don't Vote National (laughs) or Act as well. Um, your video is well, this video is well worth watching. And he sends me a link. So the t-shirt is a political t-shirt. It says, if I wanted NZ to fail, I'd number one, not vote. And number two, vote for labor or Maori. Well, thank you for your thoughts on that. If you guys do want to dive into the political situation going on, um, or maybe hear from some of our candidates, we have done on RCR, I can't remember the exact number, but in the hundreds um, of interviews, so many interviews, so many political-related interviews, and specifically lately with many, many members of different parties. Not everyone wants to talk to us, in fact, Uh, but we've gotten many people on the show. So you can check those out on Cam's show, which is called The Crunch, and he also has a political panel once a week. So definitely check that out. I'm happy to talk politics, but it's not my area of expertise. Um, But I do think we also, um, as humanity, we can have a collective impact by creating the vision for what we want, showing up daily in a way that we want as well. Of course, voting is going to make a difference, but I wouldn't personally put all my hopes on that. I would um, have a look at how we're showing up and the energy we're putting out to the world. Speaking of energy, I've got a lovely message here um, from... Let's see the name. I think it is Robert as well. A different Robert. Um, Hi, Natalie and guests. Giving back to those that give, Natalie. I love that. I am listening to your morning show and your guest and her words that where I give back to those that give. That's making um, a comment about our interview last week with the amazing um, Jackie O'Connor from Heart Place Hospital. Um, For those of you that missed it, you can check the replay. We got lots of comments about that one. Um, This person says, I now live in Tauranga, but I used to run healing sessions um, around who heals the healer with crystal singing bowls. Uh, And I'm now in Tauranga. That is amazing. I won't read it out. It's very long, but definitely get in touch with me. I'm happy to hear more about that. Uh, That's Robert Clements in Tauranga. Thank you. Yeah, the power of energy and the power of the voice to change things is quite amazing. 
Speaking of the voice, um, last week I decided for some reason to read out a poem at the end of my radio show. And the poem that I chose was If by Rudyard Kipling. Now, some of you might know that poem. I actually had to memorize it back in high school, and I just found it so poignant for the times that we're living through at the moment. But I even surprised myself by getting quite emotional and really almost crying halfway through the poem. Um, if you don't know that poem, check it out. Uh, but I had someone write in to me, oh my goodness, spot the empath, empath Natalie, I'm in tears too. I had a few people commenting about that poem. Uh, thank you, Dixie, for writing in. Love your shows. It's part of my Saturday morning listening to your replays. Yes, we are live stream on Friday, 10 to 1. And the replay plays usually Friday night and then again on Saturday. Thank you, Jarrett, who writes in. Great show, Nat. Thumbs up. Waving emoji. Um, and then also another one here. Beautiful interview with Jackie of Heart Place Hospital. Nat just caught the replay. Love RCR. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. Janet A. in Fungeray. Thank you for writing in. So, so great to hear from you. We really do love hearing from our guests. Um, you can always send us a text, 2057-2057 on the text, or you can send us a message, inbox at realitycheck.radio. I do have an excite, exciting announcement coming very super soon. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's coming next week. We have got a Reality Check Radio app. So exciting. We are currently testing it. Some of the hosts are testing it and test driving it, making sure we got no glitches, and it'll soon be able for you all to download for free from the App Store, both on iOS and Android. Um, so thank you all, you know, for being part of this journey with us as we try to make it easier to bring the show's live stream as well as replay to you. So thanks for being patient. I know I've mentioned it before, but it's very exciting behind the scenes. It's really just going to be a game changer. And here's the thing I'm excited about, because I feel like the power of the people, the people have the power, uh, not just listening. Listening is amazing. And of course, that's frequencies and shifting energies as well as the messages that we're sending, but making it easy for you to share. And on the app, we're going to make it super easy for you. If you listen to something that you love or you see a topic that you feel it, it really resonates for someone specific in your life, it's just going to make it so much easier for you to go ahead and share that. So exciting news. That is coming soon. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. And I've got a guest coming up for you. It's her second time on our show. I've got Kim Knight. She's a natural health practitioner, a Qigong teacher, and AKA, also known as the Kiwi Health Detective. We're going to be talking about the power of the body to self-heal. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hi, Natalie. Lovely to see you again. Good to have you back. Last time, Kim, you were on uh, as a duo, and this time we get you all to ourselves. For those of you that don't know Kim, um, I've got a little bit of background for you here. So um, Kim is a health explorer. She's been doing this for 35 years after her own personal journey, 28 years um, with clinical depression. She had chronic fatigue following that and was unable to work for 10 years Flash forward to today, and Kim has healed herself and has now trained in over 20 natural therapies to a professional level. She loves getting to the root cause of the healing without external inter intervention. And of course, the main focus of what she does, which is what we're talking about today, helping the body to self-heal because it can. 
She's known as a root cause analysis practitioner. She loves integrating lifestyle medicine and emotional healing. She's called the Kiwi Health Detective, um, getting to the root cause, and has spoken around the world at podcasts, summits, and in person at medical conferences in the UK, Australia, United Arab Arab Emirates, as well as many other countries. Welcome back, Kim. Thank you, Natalie. What an introduction. I'm really excited to dive into this. I've always been a fan of natural health, and there's so much to learn. And I do think at these times that we're in have encouraged other people to lean in and to ask questions and to want to learn more. So I'm really excited about this interview today. Let's kick off with a big opening question. What is true holistic healing? What do we mean by holistic healing? For me, holistic healing is taking into account all parts of a person. And I like to say that we're a five-star human. So we have the physical body, obviously, but we have our mind, we have emotions, we have energy, and we have the higher part of ourselves, spirit, whatever we want to call that. And those are what I call our five, the five-star human. And each of these parts completely interrelate, interlink, overlap, are interconnected, and each one is affecting the other simultaneously. So we are holographic. And if we don't address all these core aspects, then we can't elicit full holistic healing. I love that concept of the five-star human. Do you think most people only focus on two or three of those stars? Well, we've definitely been brought up, or I was at least, that you focus on the physical. There was never any mention when I grew up, when I went to the doctor, of how are you feeling, uh, how's your energy, uh, how's your connection with your higher self, <laughs> <laughs> things like this. So for sure, we have been conditioned and programmed, and the allopathic system is absolutely focused on the physical. And that is why we we don't get to the root of things. Uh, for example, I, I worked many years ago. She was actually one of my first clients when I started uh, as a practitioner, which was never planned. I never planned to be a practitioner. I was just doing lots and lots of courses and training and healing to heal myself. Uh, and then I ended up being so trained and qualified and, and then healed myself that people started asking for help. But the the first lady that uh, one of the first ladies that I worked with was uh, in her 70s and she had been in hospital for three months with uh, chronic abdominal pain and they had done every test under the sun and they couldn't find anything. And I know this is very common. You know, there may be people listening who can relate to this because I've heard it so many times before where people go to a doctor and I'm not putting doctors down. It's just that, unfortunately, the training does not cover this holistic approach. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so she had been in hospital, every test under the sun, like excruciating abdominal pain. And then they discharged her. They said, we can't find anything wrong. And at the time I was doing, I don't do it anymore, but I was doing an abdominal massage technique, which really uh, connects in with the internal organs. And we store a lot of our stress and our emotions, uh, our trauma uh, in, in our body. And so I was, uh, I don't know how she, why she 
found her way to, I suppose, yeah, she had abdominal pain, right? So she found, okay, abdominal massage practitioner. And, and so I, I, we were doing the massage and I touched in on a certain part of her colon and she immediately had a memory of when her mother had died 30 years before and her mother had been in hospital and, and she'd gone to visit her uh, one day and then she came back the next day to visit her and her mother had died overnight. And in the moment that the nurse told her, I'm sorry that your mother has died, and of course she hadn't said goodbye, she, it was a shock, uh, you know, grief, uh, sadness immediately triggered inside the body uh, emotionally. But she was brought up in an era where you you don't feel your feelings. You know, and, and so many people still are today, but especially, you know, back then. And so she just uh, swallowed those feelings immediately held them inside stored them and then the, and then the body has this incredible ability with what are called emotional conflict themes to store emotions in specific parts of the body because the body does not just have a biological physical function it has a metaphysical function so different organs and tissues and cells in the body will store uh, emotions according to the biological function and if we think of the digestive system the digestive system is t is about digesting food but on an emotional level it's about digesting our life mm. and digesting emotions and so she wasn't able to digest that particular trauma those emotions and so they literally got stuck energetically and they chose to get stuck in her colon and as soon as we touched that area she had the memory and she was she was able to release that that grief in that moment and the pain disappeared in two seconds gone so I'm not saying that pain can disappear always that quickly, but it can. And I've had personal experiences of it myself, too. So, yeah, coming back to the question, you know, what do we focus on? In it, We have mostly been brought up to focus on the physical because that is what doctors are trained to focus on. So what else can they do if that's their training? But there is much more. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, of natural therapy modalities out there. And I've personally tried over 250. And they have a much, much deeper and broader and more holistic approach to to looking at illness. I'm so thrilled that you mentioned emotions. I mean, obviously, we were going to go there, but a lot of people haven't yet made that connection. Um, so what role do unprocessed emotions? You mentioned this woman. She hadn't really she'd kind of like, as you said, swallowed that experience. She had she'd stored it away. So that what role do the unprocessed emotions play in terms of the long, your long-term health or chronic illness? They play a massive, massive role. And I would say there's not one client that I've worked with yet where that doesn't apply. I'm still waiting for, uh, you know, exceptions to the rule. I'm always open, but I've not found it yet. Uh, so emotions play uh, a huge role. And, you know, there are many clues. For example, the word disease is a state of dis-ease. So what is that dis-ease? Well, it's a mixture of stress and emotions, and stress and emotions go hand in hand. If we have a, a unhealthy or neg so-called negative emotions inside of us, that creates a state of disharmony inside of us. It creates stress. But we also have to remember that Emotions are not good or bad. We, we, mm. we, we say negative and positive emotions. That doesn't mean that they're good or bad. What it actually means is they are uncomfortable. 
they're not pleasant, right? Negative emotions, say sadness, grief, hurt, betrayal, uh, loneliness, upset, shame, these sort of emotions, they're unpleasant and they're meant to be unpleasant because we're meant to actually notice them, pay attention to them and do something about them and or do something about the situation that is creating them. Emotions are a form of intelligent communication from the body to the head. But the problem is most people don't realize that what, what emotions are and why they're being triggered. We train ourselves at a very early age to cut off from and ignore our feelings because usually we don't have somebody to help us move through them because unfortunately our caregivers don't know how to do it either. So it's like the sins of the father being passed down. But emotions are actually intelligent and necessary communication from the body intelligence to the head. But most people are living in their head and and disconnect themselves from from their body and from this feedback system. I was just looking behind me on the bookshelf because, um, you know, there's some phrases, right? Like suck it up, princess and whatever, that phrases that we get from friends or well-meaning friends or parents to try to help us when we're down or we're going through a hard time. They're like, come on, come on, come on, you know, pick yourself up. You can do this. Or, you know, like we're trying to be motivational, but I think it's so important, like you said, to like I use this acronym called AIM, AIM, A, acknowledge how you feel, not just like, oh, I really shouldn't be feeling sorry for myself. Acknowledge how you feel, I, intention, how do you want to feel? And then M, what can you do to move towards that? That's kind of like a cheesy acronym that I use in my family. Um, but do you feel like we're stifled as children? You know, we have all these emotions and then we got we kind of get to told or encouraged not to show them. Like, how is that? How does that affect the rest of our life, especially when it happens so young, which it does to most of us? Absolutely, massively. I remember some years ago, I was working at the ADHD and uh, that's the Auckland Health District Board, whatever the acronym is. And uh, and and one of my colleagues said, oh, I'm going to visit a friend. Do you want to come? I, I don't know why. You know, this friend was in hospital, was in a ward, you know, so I went with her. And we went into this room and there was a person in the bed and lots of family around. And one of the boys was maybe about six years old and he was crying. And one of the adults said, stop it, big boy, stop crying. Big boys don't cry. And I thought, mm. oh, there we go. Uh, so, yeah, we people, the problem is people are afraid of feeling their feelings. It's one of the biggest fears of humans is to feel their feelings. Um, and, and one of the methodologies I've trained in, they say they said that, and I found this very useful, that humans have four core fears, uh, the fear of rejection, the fear of losing someone or something, the fear of feeling your feelings and the fear of feeling vulnerable. And so unless we can actually face those fears and, and learn how to deal with all those things, and it all comes back to feeling the feelings, then we will avoid it and we will do anything to avoid it. And this connects in with what are called our developmental and emotional needs. So by the age of 18 months, there are certain what are called developmental needs that we need to have met as an infant. We need to feel loved and cherished and safe and, and various things like that. And then by the age of seven, there are some other emotional needs that need to be met. Again, things like feeling respected and loved and um, heard and acknowledged and etc. Uh, these are innate 
human needs, which have been called by the Human Givens Institute human givens because they should be a given, but unfortunately they're not. And they tie in with Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs and these other uh, sort of models of of hierarchies of, of human needs. And if those needs are not met or they're undermet, then we will unconsciously spend the rest of our life trying to get them met until they are met. And then we will compensate by, for example, if we don't feel heard or acknowledged or loved or respected or whatever, then we we might start a habit, say, of approval seeking or saying yes when we'd rather say no or ignoring our own needs or not creating clear boundaries when somebody is not treating us fairly. We will create lots of compensatory habits because we're we're trying to get those needs met and we're also afraid of feeling our feelings and facing our feelings. And the biggest thing that emotions want is to be validated. That is what feelings want. But most people are doing the opposite. They're pushing them away and hiding them and ignoring them and swallowing them and suppressing them and all these words that we use, which we actually say, you know, I swallowed my feelings. You know, we we have a lot of in our language. If we listen to the words that come out of our mouth, they give us a lot of clues. And, all we have to do is turn towards the feelings. And like you have your aim, I have my five steps to emotional awareness, which is, first of all, is the awareness that there is an emotion there because we can be completely oblivious to the fact that we have a feeling and yet it's there. It's incredible. I, I When I was, I, I really had to learn this or I, I was given the gift, I suppose you could say, of learning this when I was going through the chronic fatigue because symptoms any symptoms, it doesn't matter what it is, it's the, it's, or, or I'm not going to say any, but a, a lot of symptoms are the furtherance of missed emotions and unresolved stress. So when I was healing myself from chronic fatigue, I had to start looking at symptoms, meaning that I had missed emotions right? There were emotions there, there were feelings there, like the hurt, the sadness, the fear, the disappointment, whatever. But I had not noticed or been aware of what the feeling was. And I remember one time I was feeling, uh, I've been feeling fine. And then all of a sudden, whoomph, I woke up on a Saturday morning and I, I was exhausted again with chronic fatigue. So it was like, okay, need to do some work here and do some exploration. What's underneath the fatigue? What are the emotions that I'm missing. So I got in the bath and I was lying in the bath and I was just asking myself, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? And I and this sadness, I tapped into this sadness that I hadn't even recognized was there. It, it had gone to the fatigue. And when I asked myself, well, what am I feeling sad about? Immediately, the realization popped in my head, oh my God, actually, I haven't processed the fact that my parents are getting divorced. I just hadn't recognized how I truly felt about it. And so I allowed some tears to flow and immediately the tiredness lifted and I was fine again. So I can't remember what your original question was now. I've gone a bit off track. No, I love it. I love the term. Thank you for sharing that story, Kim. And you're so, you've got so much wisdom. I'm just so thrilled to be drawing some of it out today. You talked about feelings want to be validated. And I was going to ask you, well, how do we do that? But I think you've answered it. But if you want to elaborate. Oh, yes. So it's like, we don't, so we don't deny them. We acknowledge them. Yeah. Like, how do we validate our feelings? Is it just naming them? Right. So yes. And I was, I'd started on the five steps. And so the first step was the, was the awareness. Um, So how do we validate them? 
we literally, for well, let me go through the five steps because it'll help. First of all, we have to be aware that we have a feeling and we need to be able to label and name that feeling. I, I have what I call my compass of emotions, which are sort of really families of emotions. And, the, and I found that even though apparently psychologists have identified 43,000 different emotions, I found that we only really need to know 10-ish. Uh, so we have the the hurt family, which is the hurt, upset, disappointment type of feelings. We have then the anger family, which is the slightly slightly irritated, too annoyed, too frustrated, too angry, too rage. So notice that all these emotions are on a spectrum. We have the sadness family because that's about loss. So we have sadness and grief and then devastation uh, and grief stricken, you know, would be the, the, the on the end of the scale. Uh, we have the fear family from slightly nervous and, you know, anxious to fear to terror, panic. And then we, I have a sort of a miscellaneous uh, group of boredom and loneliness and lack of joy. So the, what, what I, I find that's I, I've not I've not worked with one person yet where they where they haven't you know learnt that compass this what I call compass of emotions and and learned to to, to be able to identify those emotions um, how can I say just through practice. So first of all, we have awareness that we have an emotion, uh, and then we need to acknowledge it. The next step is to acknowledge, just to simply go. Once we've labeled it, say it's like sadness, for example, and there may be more than one at a time, but let's just say one. Okay, I, I'm feeling sad. Okay, I acknowledge that right now, in this moment, I'm feeling sad. And one little technique that I found really helpful, uh, very so simple but so helpful, is just simply to say, this feeling is welcome or this sadness is welcome. I acknowledge this sadness. And it's best to do it with the eyes closed. We need to stop. We need to stop what we're doing because often we'll keep busy to avoid the feelings. It's an unconscious way of avoiding our feelings. Uh, so we stop and we face it and we go, okay, I acknowledge I'm feeling this feeling. And then the next step, so these are sort of like micro steps broken down, but it really, it's really helpful, is just to accept so I accept that I'm feeling this way because we can resist, right? And whatever we resist persists and stress is resisting what is. So we accept, okay, I don't really, I know I don't want to feel this, but this is the truth. We can't fight reality. This is how I'm feeling. And then the next step is, and I can't remember, I might be missing one here, but there's, there's an action step. <laughs> uh, now, we've already been doing some of the action just simply by, by acknowledging and accepting. But there may be a lot more action to do. For example, if we're upset with something, you know, how somebody treated us, for example, then we may need to say something to that person. We may need to speak our truth and express how we're feeling with that person. That would be considered a constructive action step. Uh, we may also need to do some more self-processing, and I always recommend as a, an emotional first aid technique, EFT tapping, because it's so effective and so efficient and so easy for people to learn, and there's hundreds of tapping videos online. Um, uh, but the mo most important thing to, to know about tapping to make it efficient is that we need to focus on the problem, not the solution to start with. And that may sound a bit 
counterintuitive, but this comes back to validating the truth of how we're feeling. We don't go straight to, oh, I'm feeling okay, I'm feeling okay, because that is negating how the truth of how we're feeling. We need to we need to um, validate and and, and acknowledge that this what what we what we're feeling uh, by saying you know i'm feeling upset and the great thing about tapping is that all we have to do is to speak out loud our thoughts and our feelings that's all we have to do while we're doing the tapping and that clears so much uh, and then you know depending on what the issue is there may be other things that need you know need to be done but i mean that i'm trying to give a simple version here i think that's great i mean it's it's some stuff that a lot of people wouldn't have thought of doing uh, because they so quickly try to move on or think of something positive or like just a few weeks ago, you know, going to one of my kids races and, you know, they don't do as well as they'd hoped and they're disappointed. And some people are like, oh, well, there's another, you'll do better next time, you know, just focus on the next race. And it's like, let's allow them to be in their sadness or their frustration. Um, yeah. Do, do you, think, I've heard, think- I've heard, go ahead. I think what is important about that is that what I found is that if we can actually fully face and feel the feelings, and by the way, I have to say that there's a disclaimer, not a disclaimer, but different emotions need different approaches. Um, So we don't, for example, with anger, anger is quite a toxic emotion. It's very powerful. We don't necessarily want to be using anger to get rid of anger. But what I have found is that if I feel my feelings they dissipate in seconds, if not minutes. Whereas if I don't feel them and I suppress them, they will stick around for days, months, and years. Mm. And I remember I've, I've, I've been through a couple of incidents in my life where I've had to process betrayal. And betrayal, I feel, is one of the deepest, most toxic emotions to, to get through. Um, because it's a it's a betrayal. It's it's a very deep experience and emotion to deal with, and it goes right to the heart, and it requires an opening, a cracking open of the heart to heal it. And it can feel excruciating on an emotional level, but if we give ourselves permission to do it, it can actually pass really quickly. That is one of the questions I was going to ask you. I've ha- I've heard holistic practitioners in the past, ask, you know, where are you feeling it in your body? Do we want to do that too? Do we want to ask ourselves where we're feeling it? It's very useful because emotions literally, as I said before, they do get stuck in various parts of the body. Uh, And in particular, they gravitate or are generated from different organs, the major organs, so the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, the liver, the stomach, which is why we say things like I was sick to my stomach or I was livid with anger, my heart hurts. It literally is so because that energy uh, and emotions are a form of energy are stuck at a cellular level and a quantum level in those organs. And one of the things that we can do is we can ask ourselves, where, where am I feeling it? And, 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 and we may be immediately taken to a certain part of our body. And then all we have to do is to either label the feeling and feel the feeling or just watch it and observe it and give it space and breathe into it. Um, and, and it will start to dissipate because this is what is called emotional alchemy. So we're alchemizing, which means we're transforming that energy 
that is what alchemy is. We're transforming an, uh, the energy because the thing that, that we have to remember with uh, emotions is that uh, once energy is generated, this is a law of physics, uh, it cannot be destroyed. Something has to happen with that energy for it to move on and change and transform. So whilst we can't uh, destroy that energy, we can transform it into something else. And, and the transformation happens when we give it attention. I think this information will be so helpful for so many people. And I know this is a contentious question, or you could take it whichever way you want, but why are so many people sick these days, right? Like at the moment, people, I, a lot of people are either sick or um, getting sick quicker, or just they can't seem to get better is what I hear a lot of people saying. So you can answer this in any way you like. Why are so many people getting sick these days? Well, it's a big question. Uh, many, many answers to this question. For, for a start, people don't understand what creates sickness and what creates health. They don't. We haven't been taught how to prevent illness. We're the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff because of this disconnection from self, and we're not aware of what's going on inside our body. We're not aware of the stress. We're not aware of the buildup of emotions. We're not aware of the buildup of toxicity, which comes from so many different areas. Uh, we're simply not aware, and we're not educated, and we're not taught. So we can't beat ourselves up, right? We're, we're in this society as it stands right now. And this is why there's a huge re-education re of the healthcare system, which is needed if we truly want a better healthcare system. And it is a blessing in disguise that it is breaking down at the moment, just like when we go through our own personal breakdowns. And I've been through one. I know what it's like where your life just completely and utterly is, you know, what's the word? It just collapses. Uh, and, and that is so that something new can be reborn. Uh, so there is a positive side to the healthcare a system collapsing, it needs to happen. Otherwise, uh, the change won't happen. But um, the bottom line is that we, we, we are breaking the laws of health without realizing it. So most people don't realize that we have these things called the laws of health, uh, which are part and parcel with the laws of life, the laws of the universe. And just like in normal life, if we break a law, then there's a consequence, right? Um, even though we know a lot of the legal system today isn't so so uh, so healthy, but um, there there are consequences. Using the metaphor of uh, breaking laws, there there's punishment, there's retribution, uh, that there's yeah there's consequences. So um, we are unaware that we're unaware, and we we don't know what it is that we're doing or not doing that you know could keep us healthier and so we have to start to learn about ourselves which is you know the journey that i went on to to really learn okay what is it that's creating these symptoms uh, so that you know there are just so many things there are personal factors familial factors environmental factors you know that i mean the level of toxicity in in the world today is really it's crazy compared to, say, 50 years ago, even 50 years ago. Um, you know, EMF, pesticides, herbicides, GMO, food additives, processed food, uh, the, you know, de demands from work and family, unhealthy lifestyle habits, poor breathing habits, air pollution, cleaning products, med medicines, vaccines. I mean, that's that's just a few of the 
<clears throat> things on the list of toxins that are going into our body all the time, but our thoughts can be toxic, emotions can be toxic. We've just got too much toxicity in every which way. So I guess for our listeners, this is a great opportunity to think about how can you reduce the toxicity? A lot of that stuff we don't have control over, but surely we can make an impact. How can you reduce the toxicity in your physical environment and your emotional environment? Kim has really highlighted how important the emotions are. So if you want to send us a text, let us know what is resonating for you in this interview. Um, you can send that to 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Kim, you mentioned about the health system. It is crumbling or changing massively at the moment. What is your vision for a new healthcare system in the future? If you could design it, what would it look like? That's a great question and something I've thought a lot about. So one of the things that I've certainly learned over the last 30 years that I never knew before that was that there is a lot more to medical care than obviously just pills and surgery. Uh, going to the doctor. When I grew up, that was all I knew. It was like, if you are feeling unwell, you go to a doctor and the solution is either an ointment or a medication or a surgery. There is nothing else. And as I said before, I've tried many different therapies. And so I think what what really needs to happen is that people Everybody needs to be re-educated into the fact that, A, we don't just treat the physical, we need to treat holistically, but also that, and I really don't mean this disrespectfully to, to you know, lots of really great doctors out there, is but we have really been programmed to think that the doctor is king, that the doctor is the authority when it comes to health. And, and what I'm seeing is even in a lot of the, the new approaches that are uh, coming out now, it's how can I say? There's people are still deferring to doctors as the authority, even if they're a doctor who say stepped outside, you know, the system. They're still thinking, well, the doctors are going to know best, and and it's critical that we understand that there are hundreds or maybe thousands of natural approaches that actually have uh, a lot more. Uh, use than just the allopathic approach. And therefore, natural health practitioners need to be seen as equal. We are all equal. And in fact, if you think about it, if you look at the history of medicine, what was around before the allopathic system came in, which started in the 1600s, but then really uh, picked up pace in about 1910 with the Flexner Report, what was around before that for centuries and centuries and centuries before that? Well, it was the natural health approach. So we need to, it's like we need to sort of wipe the board clean, really. And people need to be open-minded and get off, you know, that there can't be a place for ego here. There can't be a place of, I mean, so many doctors are like, well, call me doctor. You know, you, you, you go to call them their first name. It's like, no, call me doctor. This has to go. We need to level the playing field. And I see it as the two sides, so to speak, coming together, coming together to cooperate from an even playing field because we have been so unwittingly programmed with the allopathic system and this programming has to go and we don't even most people don't even realize the level of that program that programming 
you know, that a doctor is has authority. Because what I see happening is, say, for example, a, a doctor will step outside the system, they'll go and train, say, in functional medicine or in integrative health. And then you'll be sitting in a group of people, you know, I'm in groups like this where there's natural health practitioners and there's doctors who've retrained and, and you'll go around the, the circle and people will introduce themselves. And I watch how people defer to the doctors simply because they've, they've had that doctor training. This has to stop because uh, natural health, the natural health uh, practitioners, you know, say, for example, lifestyle medicine, uh, they know equally as much as as a doctor. It's just different. So we need to come together and there are organizations starting to do this, you know, the PHA, uh, the World Council for Health. There's a, the, the nurses, what is it, Nurses for Freedom. There's there's a lot happening around the world and there's there are lots of different groups forming. And I suppose over time, you know, you know, it's going to evolve. It's going to take a while. It's a big change to happen. Um, but something new will be born. I think you're right. And I think particularly off the back of the last three years, there is going to be or there is underway a bit of a surge of people shifting more towards the natural options. Um, You know, I come from a very medical family. My dad's a doctor. My uncle's a doctor. My sister's a doctor. She's married to a doctor. And there's probably a few more. So, um, yeah, I hear you. (laughs) But I think more, more and more people are open to looking at the holistic options. And you're right, there, there shouldn't be an opposition. It's like, how can we, how can they work together? Because there's, there's always more to learn. Um, and I think the key is what you started with on this interview today is acknowledging the roles that emotions play. It's and not just focusing on that one star, which is the physical, the physical body or the physical symptoms as such. Um, Kim, we're gonna we're coming to the end of the interview in a moment. I just wanted to ask you a few more questions, but first I'll do a little shout out. So for those of you that might have missed Kim's initial interview, she was doing a tandem interview with David Hopper, and they talked about the esoteric reasons for humanity's crisis. So um, if you're ready to open your mind and your eyes to some of that, definitely go and find that episode. It's quite easy. You go to realitycheck.radio, you click on replays, and then you just find the Up Your Brave show. And if you scroll down, you'll find it. Or you can message me and I'll send you the direct link. Um, but it's a great one to definitely go and watch. And also I did interview Rachel Shields from the PHA, the People's Health Alliance. So that's another one people can go and listen to if they want to learn more about that coming together of the allopathic and the holistic health, which is such a key thing. Um, Kim, I'm not sure if you made it through all the five things you wanted to share with us before that might've interrupted you, but, um, I just wanted to ask you at this point, how can people find you online? How can they connect with you and what is coming up for you in the next few months? Well, I have various websites, um, uh, but the main one, what I call my umbrella website, is artofhealth.co.nz. And then that leads to the Qigong site and the Emotional Alchemy Academy site. I also have an EMF uh, site, uh, but the main one to start with is artofhealth.co.nz. Now, I know you mentioned to me earlier, you have a role with the World Council for Health. You're on the Mind Health Committee. Can you let us know what is that council all about? What do they do and what are you hoping to achieve in that role? Yes, they've been doing an absolutely fantastic job. As far as I understand, it was uh, set up by a group of doctors during COVID who started to question things and see that actually uh, they weren't believe they weren't sort of believing and buying into the narrative, and it was started in the UK, and 
they have got hundreds, if not thousands now, of recordings of their what they call general assembly meetings, which they run every in for New Zealand. It's every Tuesday morning, early in the morning, which anybody can attend. It's a live stream on YouTube. And uh, I think their website is worldcouncilforhealth.org. And they that they're, they're just that well one of their mottos if you like is a better way and they've held a better way conference now a couple of times with lots of speakers from all over the world you know putting their input into how can we create a better healthcare system and they are actually also starting to uh, create sort of branches or branching off into different countries as well Uh, so there'll be like a world council for health new zealand world council for health malaysia etc etc but their whole premise is wanting to create a better way for health. I think it's time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Kim. Um, before we wrap things up, I would love to ask you, is there anything else that you want to add or share with us um, about the topic today, the power of the body to self-heal? Yes, well, as you can see, we we only we didn't even scrape the surface of what we could have talked about. But what I what I'm very passionate about is helping people to understand that our body is naturally, innately a self-healing mechanism. And it's doing its self-healing all the time. Right now, you know, to anybody who's listening to this right now, in this moment, your body is undergoing self-healing processes. It is programmed to do this. It is automatic. It is natural. And our natural state is to be healthy. So if we're not healthy and in this natural state, it means there's something blocking it. There's something in the way. And our job is to take away that limitation or that barrier so that the body can fulfill its job of self-healing. So healing doesn't come externally, it comes internally and naturally. And if we, you know, we sometimes we think, oh, well, I, I had a splint put on my arm because I broke it and, and that was what healed it. No, the body did the healing. We just put a splint on to support it. And you know, in our system, we have really been brought up to think that something or someone else outside of us is going to fix us or heal us. And that is never going to be the case. So one of the things that people have to understand is if they really want to improve their health and they want to learn how to prevent illness, which is completely possible, or they want to learn how to heal illness once they've got ill, which is completely possible without all the, you know, the the, the medicines and uh, uh, even supplements, then there's re-education and there has to be an interest in wanting to learn how to do that. And it's what I call radical self-responsibility, which we do just one day, one step at a time. But the point is is that our body has an incredible ability to self-heal. We just have to learn how how to do that. Earlier, you said we have barely scratched the surface. And I was thinking, do you feel like we've barely scratched the surface of what we as humanity are able to do in terms of our own self-healing? Do you feel like we're, we're we don't even realize our, our own power and potential in that? 
Absolutely. I mean, I've had a glimpse of it through everything that I've done personally, through the trainings that I've done, especially through Qigong and understanding Qi, what Qi really is, understanding that at, at, at our core, we are energy, we're 99% energy, we're energy impregnated with information. I, I have a very profound understanding of what, what is possible. That doesn't necessarily mean I can do it all myself right now, because it does require a lot of application uh, and learning. However, I truly understand it, and I have had amazing, you know, healings for myself, and so have, have the people that I've worked with. Um, and and ultimately, actually, the the true ultimate real cause of illness is disconnection from self, from true self, from spirit. Uh, from that energy, our soul's energy or whatever, you know, people have different words, but that energy being able to flow through into the body without impedance. So we have to remove blocks both literally from inside our body, physically, energetically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but we also have to remove, yeah, anything that is impeding our, our soul's light flowing through. So we we are, I don't know how many centuries away from from understanding this in a you know much big much bigger picture. Uh, we talk a bit a bit about this a little in on the bigger picture series that you mentioned before, which was the other podcast because that that looks at that much deeper esoteric level of things. Where can people find that podcast if they want to listen to it? Well, on your oh, sorry, show, your, you've got your a show. podcast. Don't you have a show yourself? Oh. Well, uh, what I started doing, although I haven't been keeping up very well, is trying to add in things onto the podcast of that um, of that series, um, which is agelesswisdomteachings.org. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kim. So for those listening, if you want to learn more, because Kim, we, you know, there's so much to learn on this topic. Thank you so much for opening our eyes to uh, many of the concepts we've covered today. You can find Kim artofhealth.co.nz. Are there any social platforms we should look for you on Instagram or Facebook? I am on Facebook, although I can't say I do a lot there. Uh, I'm on YouTube, although I've also been a bit slack recently the last year or so. Um, yeah. It's all um, about priorities. I think the art of health is the best place to go. Yeah. Um, so amazing, Kim. Thank you so much for highlighting this information for us today. And for all of you out there, just a reminder, you like the power to heal yourself and always um, acknowledging your emotions. Um, Kim, you highlighted so many great things today. Any final words before we wrap up? Well, the other thing that I think is really fascinating and important for people to do, and unfortunately we didn't get we didn't have time to talk about it, but is understanding the history of medicine. And I do, I have put together a massive um, compilation of videos on the topic, which I've been researching the last two years called The True History of Medicine, which is on my eHealth section of, of the website. But when one really understands and pulls back the veils to what allopathic medicine really is and how it was begun, it will forever change your mind. For example, I didn't know that chemotherapy was initially the byproduct of petroleum production. I mean, it is just mind-boggling when you start to understand the history of medicine. It will forever change your understanding. Oh, we might have to get you back on. That is a huge topic, as you mentioned. So if, yeah, we're just 
mentioning it today. But in the meantime, you guys, you can go and find out more on Kim's website. And yeah, we might have you back to talk about the history of medicine. Thanks so much, Kim Knight, today, everybody, talking about the power of the body to self-heal. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Natalie. It was so great to have Kim Knight back on the show. Um, If you missed her interview, you can check the other one out on the replays. Uh, Today, we covered quite a few things, and some of the topics would be new for people, and some would be familiar concepts. We talked about the four fears. We talked about hurt, anger, sadness, fear. Uh, We talked about validating the truth of how you're feeling and saying phrases like, this sadness is welcome. I acknowledge this sadness. I accept that I'm feeling sadness. And that's really important. In fact, I saw such a great post earlier today from Lance Burdett, one of our previous guests as well, talking about how important it is to express emotions. Um, So, and if you missed that episode, go and have a look at that as well. Uh, We also talked today with Kim about the five pillars and fully facing and fully feeling our feelings. You can learn more about Kim and how she is the Kiwi Health Detective. Her One of her websites is artofhealth.co.nz and you can learn more. We'll also have more information about Kim up on the replay page. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And we are talking all things health and wellness. Next, I'm talking to Joe Birch. And we're going to be talking about detoxing your body and lessening your toxic load. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Natalie. Thank you. Talking to you all the way from Tipuki, is that right? I'm from Tipuki, down in the sunny Bay of Clinton. Well, definitely sunny today. So nice. So for those of you that don't know Joe, I'll read you a little bit of backstory here. Joe started um, her journey back in 2007 when she was diagnosed with an autoimmune thyroid disease calling called Graves. She didn't want medication for the rest of her life or having her thyroid removed. So she was out to seek a better option. She went down the path of holistic health. And over a few years, her, her symptoms reduced. She went on a plant-based diet. Um, use supplements and saw practitioners, etc. And that has led her to a place of health and wellness for herself and her huge passion for empowering other women and moms and families with holistic choices. Being conscious of what we put in our bodies on a daily basis really makes a difference to our health and well-being. Amen, sister. It sure does. She is currently studying to be an integrative health practitioner, and she can't wait to be able to use her natural health experience and knowledge combined with the certification um, to help people all around New Zealand and beyond with health tips, daily routines, etc. Now, Joe, one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you on this show is I love people giving practical tips. And I know we're going to dive into the top 10 toxins and what to do about them. But before we do that, can you let us know how have the last three years been for you personally? Yeah, the last three years, I quite often say to people these days and, you know, friends and, and different people that I speak to, I actually sit here and I think, did that actually just happen? Like the last three years and everything that has gone on, I just am, I'm blown away. And I, and I honestly think, man, was that actually real? And for me, it's really reiterated the natural health aspect that I live and love to teach. And really knowing that what we put in our bodies can affect us in such a powerful way negatively or positively you know depending on what it is 
and really understanding that the certain things that can be in our bloodstream, you know, like vaccines or, or different things that we absorb through the skin, um, that can't be gotten rid of out of the body very easily. And to me, anything we put on in all those kind of things are loading our body and loading our liver. And yeah, that's been a really big thing for me to sit back and to, to watch what is happening in, in New Zealand and the world and our communities. Um, and it's kind of driven me even further for, you know, towards my passion of inspiring people and, and helping people realize what we put in and on is, is so important. So yeah, it's it's been an interesting three years. And I think um I think I've definitely grown from it myself as well. Uh, even though I've been so Yes, you could say my my passion and my belief in what is right and wrong has has been like this for many years, but it's kind of reiterated that and it's kind of really like cemented it for me, I guess you could say. Yeah, it has been surreal. And yes, it did happen and it better not happen again. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning I think people are wiser now is what I'm saying. Right. I agree. I really do agree. Yeah, well, let's hope so. And today we are going to help people to be even more wise in terms of what they do put in and on their body, something I love talking about. So I'm so excited. So I'm going to hand it over to you. What are the top 10 toxins? And then we can dive into after that, like, what are some solutions or how can we avoid them? Yeah, absolutely. And I love talking about this stuff as well. So um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about is um, Ayurvedic medicine, um, which is thousands of years old talks about armor being the cause of all disease. And I say disease rather than disease. You'll hear me say that lots. Um, yeah, being the cause of all disease in the body. And that's a basically meaning that armor is meaning, you know, toxins um, and toxins that build up from so many different things, which I'm going to talk about now. Um, Can I just interject? Are you saying it might be an accent thing? Yeah. Arma, is that an acronym or are you saying armor? Like A-R-M-A, like an Ayurvedic. Okay, Arma, Arma. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, Arma, which is basically a, a word for toxins. Okay, thank you. So the top 10 toxins, and there's a little bit of a list. I'll kind of yeah go through these as best as I can in as much detail. Um, so the first thing is things like personal and skincare products, everything from our Listerine that we might use for our mouthwash, um, our makeup, shampoo and conditioners, body lotions, soaps, perfumes, deodorant, everything we put on our skin, our skin being our biggest organ um, and absorbing, you know, all those different things. Our homes, cleaning products, paint, mold, air freshener, vinyls, varnishes, detergents, all of those type of things. Heavy metals that we come into contact with, um, whether it be mercury, aluminium, lead, arsenic. And those kind of things can be as simple as, you know, tuna in a can that we can be, or or, anything we have from a can that we could be absorbing the aluminium into the food and then we're consuming the food. Uh, Things like amalgam fillings. I actually had my fillings out, uh, well, one filling that I had left um, last year, and that was an interesting process in itself. And, you know, the mercury that has probably been absorbing into my body in in minuscule amounts, but, you know, we don't think of those kind of heavy metal toxins like that. Uh, Synthetic synthetic foods, um, everything from preservatives to um, GMO foods, hormones, artificial sweeteners, Um, And, you know, it's crazy. I'm learning myself all the time. And it wasn't until a few months ago 
I went to buy an organic chicken order and I realized and learned that most uh, most chicken companies use chlorine water baths to cool their chicken. And I was horrified. I was like, oh my goodness, how is how is this even a thing? And obviously the company that I use or being organic, they don't do that. But you know, things that I am constantly learning myself, you know, not just the hormones and the chicken, but also the way that the, the the food practices are done. So it was quite horrific for me to learn that. Uh pesticides on our vegetables, pharmaceuticals, and that can be everything from vaccines and toxins in that way and it can be uh, any pharmaceutical drug or over-the-counter drug or or anything that's not natural tap water is a really really big one Uh, chlorine even chlorine in swimming pools spa pools all that kind of thing if we're not filtering our water we're getting you know that chlorine we have um, a hot shower and the chlorine in the water Obviously, heats the water's heated, and we're breathing in that vapor. So there's things like that, and then you add a shower dome to it, and it, you know, it's like you're encased in this like toxic shower. So there's things like that to think about. You know, tap water and um, putting a shower filter on a shower. Uh, fluoride. That's a whole another crazy situation in itself, and then wanting to put fluoride in our water. Um, things like electrosmog. And that's things, everything from EMFs to cell phones, smart meters, our Wi-Fi that we're constantly, you know, always around. Uh, Number nine is gut bugs. So if our gut's imbalanced, everything suffers. And, you know, they say that 80% of the immune system lies in the gut. So that's really huge when we think about like that. And one of the ones, number 10, that I talk about is stress and it really wasn't until I started um, my studies a couple of years ago that I really learned how powerful stress is in our body and how yes all those other toxins are really huge but stress can be such an underlying root cause uh, for so many diseases and and a trigger if you like so yeah stress stress is I think a lot more you know, underrated and not not really realized or known about then then what it should be. So yeah, that's that is, basically a quick overview of the top 10. And that is a huge list. And it was hard for me not to interject because I wanted to ask <laughs> questions, but I wanted to let you get through it. Um because it is a big list, but it's things that I think everyone would be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like these yeah. are just things that we interact with in and on our body. Mm-hmm. Um two that I hadn't heard of before myself are electrosmog and gut bugs. Like I know what those are. I know what EM, EMFs, you know, electromagnetic frequency, but I hadn't heard the phrase. So thank you for that, electrosmog and gut bugs. So what are we going to do now? Can we now go to what can we do about it and how how do we reduce them? Some of them are obvious, like the Listerine one. It's like use a natural mouthwash or something, but can you walk us through some some of the solutions for this? Uh, definitely. And just before I walk you through the solutions, I just wanted to speak a little bit more about the chemical burdens. So yeah. we're surrounded constantly, you know, 24-7 um, by a lot of man-made chemicals. There's a lot of chemicals and toxins that we can avoid, like all those things I just talked about. You know, we can, we can help ourselves by changing our cleaning products and our skincare products, but there's also a lot we can't, you know, I guess we can't avoid and the European Chemical Agency and the WHO warns now that there's actually over 144 
thousand man-made chemicals in our environment. And this was about two or three months ago when I saw that statistic. And three years ago, it was approximately 70,000. So wow. in three years, it has more than doubled the amount of man-made chemicals in our environment. So it's really, you know, crazy and powerful for me to just sit. And, you know, when I saw those figures, I was just like, wow, you know, it's no wonder we're getting sicker and sicker and as, as, a, as a whole. So, yeah, that's really crazy. Um, and I also think there's a huge lack of testing. You know, we don't have the data for people to make an informed decision. Um, I really do feel like now it's becoming more aware. People are, even in little bits, becoming more aware of, of what we put on and in our bodies. Um, and we are exposed to, I guess, a cocktail of chemicals um, and it hasn't been studied as much as, you know, it should be. And, and maybe in the future that will happen. And also is labeling a little bit of an issue? Like a lot of the products don't need to be labeled with the ingredients that are actually in them? That is it's crazy. And I'll talk a little bit more about labeling as well as far as food goes and reading what's in our food mm. later on as well. So, um, and also before I get into, uh, you know, a few of the solutions, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, what's called the rain barrel effect. This is a really interesting analogy that we learn in my studies um, to be an integrative health practitioner. And if you think of uh, an old wooden rain barrel or an old wooden barrel that looks like uh, what they use in vineyards, and, you know, back in the day you'd have the barrel outside the house and you'd have uh, a pipe or, or something that comes from the spouting and the water comes off the roof and flows into the barrel. And so... That's exactly the analogy that we can use for our bodies or our liver to be more specific. So the, the rain barrel fills up with water and the water overflows. And that's what happens in our body. So our liver fills up with toxins. And when our liver fills up with toxins from all those you know things that I talked about before, that's when the overflow happens and the overflow in our bodies is the dis-ease in our bodies. So it's quite a cool analogy for me, you know, and I love explaining that to people because it's I'm a very visual person as well as far as that kind of thing goes. So, yeah, our liver, our liver fills up with toxins and that's things that we can and can't control. And this is why more and more we are needing to do things at home and detox our bodies on a regular basis to stop that accumulation in our liver. And when our liver gets like too full, uh, those toxins, you know, our liver goes, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. And it starts spilling out those toxins into the rest of our body. And that's when they, you know, it sits in our fat cells and when disease starts to happen and starts to be created because our liver can't process it all. So that's something that, yeah, I just wanted everyone to know and to hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, me, because I love little catchphrases. I'm thinking, love your liver. Well, how do we love our liver? How do we protect um, or support our liver? And I'm sure you're going to elaborate on that in a minute. Because when I think liver, honestly, I normally would just think, oh, like alcohol, <laughs> you know, don't yeah. drink alcohol. Yeah. But it's like so much more because does it, what does it do? Does it filter the things? Filter. So every right. Six minutes, if I've got that right from top of my head, every six minutes it's filtering our blood. So it's one of the most important organs as far as, you know, as far as cleansing and, and detoxing goes. Yeah. Do you think most people 
are just, they just have no, they don't, they're not aware of the impact of some of these things going in and on their body, meaning something like the lotion, the creams, the sprays, the metals, you know, all the things, the things in the air. Um, they just like, or they, they just don't think about it. I mean, do you I think, think people it, just don't have the knowledge or they're not concerned? Yeah, I, de- I definitely think a little bit of both. I think, you know, if I think of myself, even three or four years ago, uh, even though I've, you know, since 2007, finding out I had Graves' disease, I started detoxing my house and my body. And, you know, I think still these days we're always learning. And it, and it wasn't until like a month or so ago, I realized I had this pan and my that I was using for my roast vegetables and it had Teflon and it was scratched. And I was going, I just had this moment one day and I thought, why am I still using this? And it's, as I said before, I'm always learning, but I do definitely think people are becoming more aware these days and maybe more and more people are talking about it for people to be aware. I think there's an element of people thinking, oh, it'll just be okay. Like I'll be fine. I've been fine until now. But what they don't realize is that all it takes is a little bit of everything for that liver, you know, to fill up our rain barrel to fill up um, and that gush over or that spill over to cause that disease. And so, yeah, I think I definitely think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Well, amazing. Let's dive in then to the solution side of things. How can we detox or how can we live a low tox life? Yeah, living a low tox life. <laughs> I love to talk about and educate people on. So uh, one of the first things we talked about is detoxing your beauty and personal care products. And this is one of the, the first things I did when I found out about my autoimmune dis- disease um, and switching to natural cleaning products and making your own. So there's so many ways that you can get rid of chemicals from your house Um I use a lot of essential oils, but I also use things that are so simple. Like if you had a, you know, a tub of baking soda um, and some Castile soap, you've got the perfect, you know, ingredients to make your hand soap, your natural GIF cleaning paste, um, cleaning your toilet, uh, your own washing powder. Like there's so many things that you can do for so cheap. And, you know, you run out and I, I ran out of one of my hand foaming hand washers yesterday and it literally takes me a minute to, to refill it. I don't need to go to the shop. There's completely no chemicals in it and it works really well and it, and it actually aids and helps my skin rather than adding to my load. So lots of different ways like that. There's so many amazing products and amazing companies out there that do different skincare and uh, all those things. If, if you're not a DIY person, you know, to be able to buy them. There's there's so many companies, but there is a recipe for anything. There's a a DIY if you you know if you want to make it, you can. So um, I know of, of friends even who have gone. I'm, I'm I I like to think of myself as a quite a big DIYer, but then I hear of you know a few people that uh, even try and make their own shampoo and conditioner and um, you know face wash or or cl- or cleanser or something like that and I haven't quite gone into that much detail but but you can you can literally make anything with a few simple ingredients it is often cheaper it is you know I'm not a baker like I don't like baking I don't like measuring if I try to bake it never rises like all the things I'm not a baker but I love doing I love making like you said I love making my own hand wash well that's pretty much all I make but I I love doing that you know and feeling like it's, it's easy I don't have to remember too much yeah and I think people uh initially think and, and I teach a lot of 
DIY workshops as well um, and food workshops. But I think people have that, you know, if it's it's a fear or it's not maybe not so much a fear, but a an overwhelm that they think, oh my gosh, I wouldn't know where to start. And they don't start because of that. So I think it's important that we realize and look at it in a different way and think, okay, I'm just going to start with this one thing. Like what what could I start making in my house that would be really cheap and really easy? And what cleaner could I get rid of? Or yeah, so I think it can be really easy and just there's lots of ways to do that with taking that overwhelm out of it. Yeah. And okay. So you talked about starting with the beauty and personal care. So you guys, if you're listening, it's like, just go into the bathroom, look on the shelf, you know, or in the drawers. What is like you think is actually not really serving you? It's not helping you. It's adding to your toxic load. It might be time to toss it in the bin. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I know people who I didn't do this. I kind of did it in little bits and, you know, each person's different, but I know people who have completely taken everything from their kitchen cupboard, their laundry cupboard, and just completely started fresh. Um, I know also people who have uh, thought, I'll just use up this cleanser. And Mm -hmm. then I've used the cleanser up. I will start on this other one, but I have a very different, um, you know, opinion on that. I'm very much like it's toxic. Don't put it on your skin again. Like Mm -hmm. let's get rid of it and let's (laughs) just start something fresh. But but that's also half of me because I'm very much a big advocate for, you know, um, low waste and being very sustainable but when it comes to aiding that rain barrel I'm like no way (laughs) you need to get rid of it yeah okay awesome so what's another solution or area of the home we can focus on Uh, so one of the next really big ones uh is our drinking water that's really really huge um for me we have a really great um alkaline and electrolyzed machine that we've had for many years um but there's some really cheap ways of doing that you know if you don't have a filter on your tap you can get a really good water jug you know that does a similar obviously it's not going to be as great as having something under your tap but it's there's still many many ways that you can do that for a very cheap price and something that's so simple changing your water can have such a huge effect on your health so that's yeah, to me, water is such a big thing. And I think if you were going to spend money on something, that would be the the investment, you know, first off that I would do because that water is so important. Um, and we uh, literally actually just did our whole house. So my, I'm lucky enough, my partner is a man who can do all the things, build, used to be a builder, does irrigation now. And um, he put a whole house filter in for us because I started thinking, man, I've got, a, I've got a shower filter. You can get this little shower filter for less than $200. Uh, and we've got the filter on our you know, water. But then the odd time I'm in the sink in the morning and I just want to wash my face with some cold water or you know warm water or whatever, I could start smelling the chlorine in the water. And I was thinking, I'm doing all these good things in so many other ways. I was like, we need the whole house done. Like, why have we not done this sooner? So that was really good to actually have a whole house filter in. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. And especially in the next year or two, now that the fluoride has been brought in. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be really important for people to do. And, you know, fluoride's a known neurotoxin and I've got a whole book. It's not on. known by a lot of people. Some people still need convincing. It's it's tricky. Like in, you know, in my house the other day, like we do have as the same thing as you. We got like a bench dive, we got a Kangen. And um, but sometimes they're just, you know, quick and lazy and they just grab the tap water or they fill up with the, you know, the water bottle, the one that's going in the fridge to be chilled. And I'm like, okay, smell this cup. 
Okay, great. Now smell that one. Which one smells like a swimming pool? And they're like, that one. I'm like, yes, that's the chlorine. That's why I want you to mommy. That's why mommy wants you to use the filtered water. But I like the idea of having the whole house done. Um, Maybe we can chat later about that. Yeah, I just, and funnily enough, my partner has just gone around to see a few friends on the weekend. I put something up on my story. And oh, he's going to be a busy man. I was like, can you, can they, you know, can you come and do this for me? And he was like, oh yeah, sure. So I think that's going to start being a thing, but definitely. at the moment we don't have fluoride down here in Tipuki and the council actually, the Western Bay has actually been trying to go to the government and tell them, you know, they don't want to do it, but there's, oh, that's a whole other story, which we won't go into. So yeah. um, it could be a year or two away for us, but, um, you know, other cities and, and places around New Zealand aren't quite quite that lucky and and eventually I think it's going to be something that everybody needs to look at it's something we don't want to be drinking we don't want to be putting on our skin and in our water yeah I mean it is a huge topic and obviously we've been told by Mm. people that are you know dentists and such that it's it's you know healthy for cavities it's like dude I do I haven't drunk in you tap water for like eight years my mouth is not full of cavities like I can I'm happy to be a little test case for everybody just so you know (laughs) um okay what else so we talked about the water yeah and on that from what should I say following on from the water it's also about no plastic drink bottles like that is something that is such an easy cheap switch uh, and glass storage so I a few years ago I'm really into my food and my food workshops and my whole food pantry but it's, you don't need to go and buy a whole lot of new storage, you know, containers. Just save the glass jars. Like I save from all the different glass things I buy and my pantry's full of those. Yes, I do have some big ones that have some of my bulk ingredients in it, but you can do it really cheap. Um, you can, you know, store things in the fridge in glass jars. Like there's so many ways that you can do that um, and get rid of the plastic. And yeah, but plastic drink bottles is a huge one and especially single use plastic drink bottles, just, you know, the BPA and I mean, a lot of drink bottles say they don't have BPA, but there's still the chemicals that are, you know, your water sitting in. So mm-hmm. you want to be really mindful of that. I heard something the other day that, that a lot of those, that bottled water, it's been sitting there for like three years sometimes. Wow. I didn't know that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You imagine how that water is taking on, you know, those, I don't even know, I guess. Not okay. So awareness stuff. around what we're putting in and on our body, awareness around what we're putting things in, meaning mm-hmm. like you talked about the glass mm-hmm. water bottle and also in the fridge, you know, are we putting them in plastic or in the pantry, putting it in plastic? So glass as much as you can. Is that what I'm hearing? Glass as much as you can. Absolutely. Or stainless steel. Okay. Stainless steel is obviously another good drink bottle option. Yeah, definitely. And I have stainless um, right down to my freezer containers. I This is a really good company that I found that does, um, I think, one litre, two litre, three litre, really cool rectangle stainless steel containers. And I store all my like bana- frozen bananas and all my raw slices. Oh my gosh, do your fingers get stuck to the metal? No, they kind of have this really cool lid that just opens up. They really oh, that's good. You know, as a Canadian, honestly, I did that thing when I was like in grade five and I put my tongue on the, on the pole in winter, you know, the pole that you slide down. Like that was not a good idea. I got stuck. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. So but that yeah. sounds like a cool company. Let us know the link. Yes, I will. I have to find who they are in the New Zealand company as well. It's just, it's just about finding this. There's, there's, there's so many, you can find anything, you know, anything for everything for anything. Should I say anything for everything? Um, there's a solution. So, uh, yeah, so detoxing storage. And um, the next thing is cookware. 
uh, and using things like cast iron, stainless steel or ceramic and getting rid of your Teflon. The Teflon are coated with the chemicals. Yes, they might be amazing and nonstick, but cast iron can be just as great. You know, if you season your cast iron pan, that pan will last, you know, for I think the one I've got actually says three generations they've got this guarantee with it. You know, you only need to buy one ever. Mm-hmm. Don't waste your money on, on cheaper ones that have those chemicals in it. And, you know, the cast iron I found amazing and it doesn't stick. It's absolutely amazing. You season it each time you use it. Um, and stainless steel is a little bit more tricky as far as that goes, but that that can be really great for, for cooking in as well. Um, and even things like uh, your kettle, like your jug that you boil your water in, you know, have a look, is there any plastic pieces in there? Because you're heating that water, you're boiling that water. And is there plastic in there that is, you know, could be getting into your into your water? And do you have a plastic jug? Like that's a huge thing that I would be, you know, changing straight away. And also um, filtered water in the jug. I make a point of using filtered water, not tap water, which other people in my family think I'm a little pedantic. But you can see the calcification build up in the jug if you don't do that. And even though you're still... Uh, let's say you're using tap water in your jug and you're boiling it, you're still getting that chlorine. You're still getting all those chemicals in your mm. water. So 100%, you're totally down the right track. Mm. Yeah. Um, then the next thing, and this is something really simple, uh, is taking your shoes off in the house. So it's kind of one of those things you think, oh, like why would I need to do that? But if you think about where we walk, as far as not just things like pesticides and chemicals and bacteria or animal poop that you might not know you've stood in or, you know, dirt, you walk into public toilets, like all the places you wear your shoes outside, bringing those chemicals into the house on the carpet is just something that is not needed. You know, that's something so simple that you, you can do, not just to save the health of your carpets, you know, in the long run, but obviously your health as well and not traipsing those chemicals. And especially if you've got young families as well with babies and children that are, you know, on the floor and playing on the floor. So that's another thing um, that's, you know, something really simple. Yeah, free and simple. I do, yeah. Um, the next thing would be food choices and reading labels. This is such a big thing. and I think. For people to be aware of when they go to the supermarket, you know, you could pick up two different cans of, let's just say, a coconut cream, for example, and one might have coconuts and water, and the other one will have emulsifiers and preservatives and and different things in it that just aren't needed. So it's about looking at it and thinking, does it have two or three ingredients, or does it have fifteen, or you know, ten, or whatever? And there's there's, there's everything that you can think of from you know, corn chips that might have corn and salt and water and then the other one's got a list, you know, that you need to spend three or four minutes reading all the different ingredients. So there's, like I said before, with swapping things out, there's, even for food, it's exactly the same. There'll be something on the shelf right Mm. next to what you're about to buy that will be better quality. So it's about taking that time and spending, you know, just that few more minutes to have a look at the supermarket and, you know, what you're putting in your body and as far as food goes is a really big thing. And there's lots of other things you can do as far as food, like eating seasonally, um, starting a garden. I'm a really big, passionate veggie grower and love my gardening. Um, and I just, one of the main reasons I, I love that as well is I love being able to go all year round and, you know, obviously summer, the sunshine, hopefully it's going to, my garden's going to start flourishing even more, but I love being able to 
go straight to the garden and pick my salad leaves and my herbs and all the different things I have, you know, so fresh. So I love that side of it, but I also love knowing that there's no pesticides on there and I don't actually need to wash the veggies from my garden, you know, so that's really great. Um, shopping at local markets, um, buying in bulk to get things cheaper. Um, it's not all about buying organic, but I definitely believe I'm a very big organic you know, buyer because I don't want those extra chemicals on my food. But just looking at things, you know, I know one of the brands from Countdown, you can literally, like a macro, I think it is, you can literally buy beans pretty much the same price as another brand that's not organic. So there's, you know, so many different ways yeah. you can buy organic. Uh, and on that note with organic, it's knowing and looking at the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. So if people don't know about that, have a Google of the Dirty Dozen. Yes, it's definitely come up in a previous interview. It's, it's familiar okay. to me, but you're welcome yeah. to mention it because yeah. the more we talk about it, the more people know. Absolutely. So the, the Dirty Dozen is, you know, the 12 foods that are the most uh, heavily sprayed or the most, um, you know, toxic burden, I guess, or yeah, probably heavily sprayed is the right term. But um, those are things that we talk about in my studies as far as you shouldn't have those foods unless they are organic. And there's a lot of stone fruit on that list. I can't remember the whole list off the top of my head, but there's things like spinach um, and strawberries and celery um, and then things like peaches and nectarines and, and stone fruit. So those are things that, you know, by organic, like strawberries, you can get a packet of frozen organic strawberries for so cheap to put in your smoothies. You know, there is definitely alternatives for that. And, you know, spinach is so easy to grow. Like have this little garden, even if you're in an apartment with a little balcony, you know, you can still be growing a few of those things yourself. So that is something to really be mindful of. The clean 15 uh, are the, the 15 things that are the least sprayed that if you couldn't source organically, they would be okay to buy. Um, and then there's also, which you probably do yourself now, we'll talk about as far as um, washing your vegetables mm -hmm. and have a veggie wash if you do get something that's not organic and, you know, you should wash it anyway. Um, there's lots of different ways of doing that with baking soda and essential oils and apple cider and there's lots of different recipes out there to help pull the, the chemicals off that. And there's also a cloth that you can buy. Oh, I've got that. I, I well. use the lemon oil and then I yeah. also have that cloth for the like apples and things. Yeah. So it's not, it's yeah. The cloth. And there's also with the Kangen machine as well, you can use your 2.5 yes. water to soak. Sorry, 11.5 the other way. So the 11.5 alkaline water actually draws out the the pesticides and things from the from the fruit and vegetables as well. So there's lots of different alternatives. And obviously the one that anyone can do is the, the apple cider baking soda. So that's another great way um the next one is wi-fi and emfs especially in your bedrooms while you're sleeping so i actually have a timer on on our wi-fi um much to my tenant downstairs disgust who mm -hmm. <laughs> likes to stay up late and using the wi-fi but i have this non-negotiable for myself and my family that the timer goes off at 11 o'clock um, and comes back on at six in the morning and that's just knowing that there's nothing happening in, in our house at night while we're trying to sleep and we have a rule as well that we don't have phones in the bedroom um yeah that's a really really big one that you know can really inter 
uh, interfere with our cellular health um, and one of those top 10 toxins with the EMF. So that's something really simple that you can do. Like you don't you don't even need a timer, but I mean, the timers are like, you know, $10 from the hardware store. So, yeah. So for those that are listening, I'm hoping that you're feeling um, inspired, empowered maybe to take action on any of these things. If you choose, you don't have to. Um, we'd love to hear from you. If you learned something today that you didn't know before, let us know. Or if you've got a question, you can contact Joe directly after, but you can send us a text 2057, so 2057 on the text, or email at inbox at realitycheck.radio. Let us know what is resonating and what you've learned today. What's next on your list, Joe? So next, so the last thing before I, I dive into some of the home detoxification tools is um, you just think there's so many free things that you can do. Um, grounding, you know, if you're on your computer all day, make sure you have two or three breaks and get out and lie on the grass, not just stand, but lie your whole body on the grass. It's amazing how that can reset your body. Um, things like walking after dinner, which is is really great. Um, and that can really help to, uh, you know, even aid your digestion. Mm things like that getting out into fresh air more and your connection i mean i think it's such a great thing for um i don't know you know like when dads come home from work you know and they and there's not a lot of time that they've got before depending on the age of the kids um our kids are older now so it's like after an after dinner walk so i've been trying to implement this thing like okay two people stay back and do the dishes and clean up and the others can just go for a walk around the block with the dog and i think that's bonding time it's connection time it's nature time it's off tech time yeah, so good. That's fascinating. So not just the benefits of the body, but also mm. the mind and the connection. That's really, really cool. And obviously, and also walking after dinner can not just help relax the body, a digestion, but it also helps our um, blood sugar levels and it helps our blood sugar not to spike as high, which is also means we're not so prone to gaining fat. So there's so many benefits for walking after your meals, but walking after dinner, especially so. And we don't mean just walking into the lounge to the couch to watch Netflix. No. And, you know, <laughs> no, we should also. We mean an actual walk. Yeah, an actual walk. We should also be doing 10,000 steps a day as humans. We know we're not designed to be sitting at a desk and sedentary. And if, you know, those 10,000 steps, we talk about doing our exercises on top of that. So it's quite crazy when you think, uh, you know, I got a, a step counter and, this watch that has no EMFs, quite important to me to not be wearing something on my wrist that, that has EMFs. Um, but it, it was fascinating to me how little steps I was doing when I thought, hey, yeah, I'm probably doing maybe six or 7,000. I need to up a little bit. It was like three or four. I was really quite horrified. One of my previous guests, she talked about her topic was the lies we tell ourselves. And that was her example. She said, oh, yeah, I'm totally doing 10,000. And then she was like, actually, no, I'm not at all. So, yeah. So, yeah. Walking, walking, walking. <laughs> and should I go on to the, uh, yeah, the detox side of it? Yeah. So let's have a look. So we've basically got maybe a few more things left, and then I'll jump to the four questions that I ask everyone, and we'll wrap it up. So yeah, um, about what, yeah, the tools. Through, yeah, go through the tools. So obviously, our liver uh, is one of our biggest ways we need to detox. You know, we detox through the skin. Um, the lungs, the lymphatic system, the colon, the kidneys, and the liver. But yeah, a liver is a really big one I like to talk about. Uh, and some of the home ways that you can support your body and support home detoxification. So one is tongue scraping. So this is an ancient Ayurvedic practice. A tongue scraper is literally $10. You can get stainless steel or copper ones. 
And it actually stimulates organs in your body and it really helps remove any uh, bacteria in the mouth. So it's beneficial in so many different ways. And it's so easy. Just as soon as you wake up, before you have any water or any food, you literally just wish you could see me, but I'm doing this motion of how it's, how it's done. But you literally just scrape your tongue five to seven times. So it's such an easy thing. And once you get that habit, like I can't drink any water now until I, I get out of bed and I scrape my tongue straight away. So I brush my teeth first up, but that tongue scraping is, I imagine, way better. Is that what you're saying? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Bacteria off your tongue. Absolutely. And where do we get this? Like a health food shop? Yeah. So I got mine from an organic shop. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also, there's actually like some Ayurvedic stores. There's lots of like home and living kind of okay. natural living stores that have them. But if you just Google tongue scraper, yeah. um, copper is actually also antimicrobial. So I mm. a copper one. My partner has a, a stainless one. You, mm-hmm. you can get either. Um, both is good. Nice. And um, the next thing is lemon water and salt. So Himalayan or sea salt. Uh, and that helps to wake the digestive system up, opens up the bile duct in the liver. Um, and it also means you're starting your day with a big glass of water. So you're, you're becoming hydrated after fasting for 12 hours. You know, you've had no no water or food for 12 hours. So having that water starts you off really great for the day. Um, and oil pulling is the next one. So this is something really different, but you can literally get some coconut oil or some sesame oil. Um, I do add a few great like essential oils into mine as well. But oil pulling benefits the teeth and mouth as well um, it activates enzymes that help flush out toxins and you literally just put the oil in your mouth and you swish it around sometimes it's hard depending on the oil to not have that gag but you kind of get used to it and, and you prefer you know you start to know which oil you prefer so that's really easy and it's literally like a teaspoon of oil that okay you're... and then we're going to spit it out in the sink yeah, is that the spitting plan? It out. absolutely so not in the sink because the oil will clog up the pipes okay good tip so, in the compost bin, in like a paper towel, and then I put mine in the compost bin. So yeah, okay. making sure you're not doing it into the sink. So so okay, oil pulling, but you're not actually yeah, pulling, pulling. But it's the idea is it's pulling out the toxins. Pulling the toxins, okay. yeah, pulling you know the bacteria out of your mouth. Um, then dry brushing, which seems to be coming a lot more popular now. Again, it's an ancient Ayurvedic um, tool, stimulates and moves the lymph fluid. Um, and using a dry brush, there's lots of different ways. Um, not lots of different ways, but lots of different things online you'll be able to find on how to do that. But the main thing to know is that you always brush towards the heart. That's the one main important thing with dry brushing. Um, And it's best before morning shower um, just to wake up the circulation. So, yeah, dry brushing, another really simple way. You can get a brush from the pharmacy. There's lots of different places that have those soft bristle brushes just to help stimulate and move the, the lymph fluid. Uh, then moving on for the well, sorry, staying with the lymph side of it is rebounding. I've literally just got a rebound in the last two months. It is my most favorite thing, my my new favorite tool. What I is it? it? Is it a mini trampoline? Yeah, a mini trampoline. Okay. And interestingly enough, I didn't realize the difference between a trampoline and bouncing on that, and also on a rebounder. <laughs> have a drink of water quickly. And. A rebounder is very short movements, Mm -hmm. whereas a trampoline is very long. So it actually does quite different things. Um, And there's also different rebounders that you can get. Mine has metal coils as opposed to elastic rubber, you know, the elastic type ones. 
Um, and the one I've got is actually called a lymphasizer. So it's actually known to draw static electricity out of your body rather than when you get on a trampoline, mm. you you know, get that static electricity when you touch someone when you get off. So it's it's very different, the one I have. And I just love it. It's amazing for cardio. It's one of the best things for um, your lymph drainage and that detoxifying side of things, as well as amazing cardio. Like I'm just... I'm loving it. So that's Okay, so are you bouncing up and down? Are you just jumping up and yeah. down? Okay. Not even so much jumping. You're not jumping like a trampoline. You're more pushing knees up, like alternate knees, and right. you're your feet flat on the floor, like flat on the on the rebounder, and you're kind of more pushing. Okay. I'm literally about to do a, a video of it on my page. Yes, we'll go and watch your video. Put that up and you can watch more on there. Um, and then just a couple more final things. Um, fasting, I'm a big believer in fasting overnight, like 12 hours, like give your digestive system a break. We're not designed to eat all the time. We're not to, you know, we need to try and eat early and have a minimum of, you know, two, three hours before we go to bed to give our body time to digest our food. So everybody, every human and even children, we really should be finishing our meal. Like even if we're not eating till seven o'clock, not eating again till seven the next morning. So that's a really big thing. Uh, and liquid before lunch is what we what we learn and what we teach. Mm. It is after your 12 hours of fasting, the liquid breakfast that you, you know, you can do as far as having a smoothie is our body also saving our digestion energy. So I think it's 30% of our daily energy is taken up by digesting our food, which is quite huge. And so there's a term called um, autophagy or autophagy, which is when we fast, no new waste comes into our body and our body starts to clean up the waste that we already have. Um, and that autophagy or the body going into autophagy destroys the necrotic tissue um, and kind of kills off all the bad cells. So the, the more we can have a liquid breakfast, you know, it's a bit a bit different to fasting 12 hours overnight. Or, you know, we probably a lot of us do it without realizing, but we're, we're not eating and then if we go and have this big, you know, bacon and eggs and really heavy, heavy meal, our body's like, oh, like, what are you doing to me this time of the morning, you know? And so, yeah, liquid before lunch is that term that we use as far as having a smoothie. You can put all your good fats, your, you know, your your carbs, your protein, all the things in it. Um, and your it's already di- it's already broken down. The food's already already blended. So it's amazing to aid that digestion even further after that 12-hour fast. Nice. So, yeah, that's some of the home tools. Oh, and one more is Epsom salts bath. It's another really cheap way um, of relaxing the body, getting some magnesium into the body um, and, you know, soaking that in through our skin. So, yeah, it's just a whole lot of home tips that you can do. Amazing. So we've done the top 10 toxins. We've done some home tips and tools for low tox life. I'm hoping that everyone walks away with maybe a list of 10 things that they um, didn't know that they're possibly excited to implement in their life to be more healthy because we are, you know, we, we can be in charge. As I always say, we are the CEO um, of our own lives, um, our own health as well. And so, yeah, do it, making sure that we take empowered action. All right, Joe. Let's talk about upping your brave. What is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? I would probably say the last year or two or three years Mm -hmm. um, is I used to be a really big people pleaser and through lots of years, actually pre-COVID with a really good friend who's an amazing um, coach, like both business and personal. So I really started to change my... um, 
guess any triggers or any worries that I had of, oh gosh, what would people think of me? And in the last three years, that coaching and that knowledge that I've had has been so powerful over these, you know, these last few years because I I don't care what people think. You know, mm-hmm. I I've had some situations where, you know, you try and do everything you can possible to to be nice or to help somebody. And this, you know, happens in my other business as well. Um, and someone's going to attack you, no matter how much good you're doing, they're always going to say something negative, you know, based on their own triggers and their own trauma um, and their own stories that they've, you know, that they have in their head. So I think stepping into my, you know, upping my brave and stepping into my brave, I guess you could say, would be that and being very open to my thoughts on COVID, the vaccines, all of those things surrounding that and natural health. And to me, I sit here and I think, gosh, like, you know, and I'm very different to a lot of people, but I think, how why would anyone want to put that in their bodies and on their skin? And I think that that was so certain to me through that COVID time, like I talked about earlier, is as yeah, not not worrying what people think and staying in my own lane and just being myself. And yeah, that's been a huge thing. And that people pleasing thing is very um common. You know, it is really easy for people to do that or to fall into that in different areas of their life. Um, so yay, congratulations. Uh, thanks. <laughs> um, what about the bucket list? Something that you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can help you with? This is a little tricky one for me, I think, to answer, but I thought of it kind of a different, in a different way. I have lots of things on my bucket list as far as what I love to do and, you know, that side of me. But I think for me, it's about sharing like this knowledge that I've shared with everyone today with as many people as people as people can like everyone needs to know about this and that's kind of my why and my passion for natural health and to me it's about sharing and getting that knowledge to to everybody because like we said you know we talked about before is it that people don't care or is it they don't do they not know Um, and no matter what it is I think it's so important that people realize you know we're only getting sicker and sicker as a society and I want to change that like I I feel like this is the rocket in me you know the fuel to to really help to really help people so I'm really excited when I um, finish my studies to be able to help people and coach people and and see people as an integrative health practitioner to really help that but yeah to me that would be what people can do to help is to to share that with as many people as they can and and educate themselves yeah and and take it on board and maybe pass it on to a few other people if they're interested and open to it um, and maybe um, people can share maybe your video of you doing the rebounding. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> where can we, what's coming up for you in the next coming months in your life or business? And how can we connect with you online? Um, coming up for me is finishing my studies, um, my first level. So I actually can see clients and and help people from, you know, that way. Um, I also have a few raw, call them whole food made easy workshops. It's one of my other big passions is to teach people from scratch actually how to make, you know, a nut milk, how to make crackers, hummus, like all the basics that we don't, you know, we can make really easily. We don't need to buy with the the, the oils that aren't so great in them or the preservatives. You know, there's so many things we can do really easily at home. So I do obviously teach them for people in Tarawa, it's a little bit easy to easier to come to, but um, I do have a lot of it on my page as well. Um, and I do often do lots of uh, workshops as far as DIY and cleaning and making your own perfumes and all those kind of things. So there's so many different topics. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my ongoing 
Workshop. Awesome. Where do we find it? So yeah, on my uh, Holistic Fountain Instagram and Facebook. So the Instagram is just the Holistic Fountain and my Facebook is the same. My Facebook has all the workshops and things that are coming up um, whenever I put them up there. My website is not quite up and live yet, but that's kind of my next thing to get sorted once I, you know, just before I finish my studies. So watch that space as far as my website goes. Amazing. So the Holistic Fountain and it's Holistic H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. And you guys can check it out on Instagram and Facebook, right? That's it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Hey, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you would love to share with our audience today? Um, I think just be aware, like I hope there's something in here that you've gone, wow, I've never thought of that. And just little things that you can take away and help your family with or your friend with, or, you know, you might see a, a electric, like a kettle in their house that's plastic and you just, you know, just help them, just those little things. And don't be overwhelmed by thinking you have to change all these things because all these little things that aid those toxins to be gone from your body it actually can be really simple to do. So just take, you know, a lot of a lot of people probably say this, but it really, really is true. It's just small steps that you can do. If you're one of those people that want to do everything all at once, go for it. But yeah, don't be overwhelmed with it. And there's lots of different people out there that can help you and lots of different, different places you can turn, different products you can buy. Um, and it's about taking your health into your own hands, empowering yourself with those choices, you know, because you don't want that rain barrel to fill up. You want your body and you want to, you, know, you want to live as long as you can. You don't want that disease. It's a lot easier to prevent that disease in your body than to you know, get rid of it. So good. Taking your health into your own hands. Thank you so much for joining us today. That was Joe Birch on detoxing your body and lessening your toxic load. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. I hope you found that interview with Joe Birch from the Holistic Fountain, as insightful as I did. Um, I'm pretty aware of detox stuff, but there's you can always learn more. And I know and I appreciate that there's so much wisdom already out there in the audience um, with people that are aware of these things, but there's always more we, we can be aware of. There's always more we can do in terms of our body as well as in our home, our workplace, the physical environment we're in. We talked about so many things today on this interview. We talked about the top 10 toxins and living a low-tox life, the concept of avatic medicine, loving your liver. We talked about gut bugs and electoesme, um, and doing your detox swaps. I think I love that concept so much because we don't want to make things too hard. And we can do things gradually, and we can really focus on doing the things that are come, you make a little difference, make one little change in your daily routine or your weekly routine. We talked about dry brushing, oil pulling, and rebounding. <laughs> and liquid before lunch. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear what resonated for you. Um, you can learn more about Joe. She is the Holistic Fountain on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. We've got some exciting news right out of the RCR oven. We have our very own mobile app coming out soon. It's currently in testing and it will shortly be available to download from the app stores, both iOS and Android. Thank you all for being so patient while we've been working hard behind the scenes. Our test bunnies have had a wee play on the test version and they just know you're going to love it. Our video guy Henry has put together a little video to show you all what's in store. 
you can check that out at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash app. That's at realitycheck.radio forward slash app. RCR is on a mission to revive Honest Media, and now you too can be an integral part of it by joining the RCR Foundation Members Club. Receive exclusive benefits only available to club members, including your own backstage pass to join the hosts for interactive behind-the-scenes discussions, along with our all-new daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes, that's delivered to your email box every morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. To find out more, visit realitycheck.radio members to see how you can join the mission that's making a difference. Making a difference. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. I'm so thrilled to be meeting now with my next guest, Dana Lee, also known as the Rebel Papillon. And we're going to be talking about empowerment and fearlessness and life's journey here and now. Welcome to the show, Dana. Hi, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. Well, it's so interesting how we connected. Well, quick story, backstory for you guys. I do a lot of interviews every week. And this week I locked myself out of my house. (laughs) I was coming back from a meeting um, and I locked myself out of the house. I did have a key, but it didn't work in the door that I chose. Long story short, I was a little bit late for our meeting. I'm so glad we ended up um, meeting today. And yeah, I saw your post on Instagram. Um, it was just super raw and real. It was kind of like an introductory post mm. and it just really resonated. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes people recommend guests to me. Sometimes I do know a lot of amazing people. So usually I shoulder tap people, but I saw your post and I just thought she sounds like someone who would be incredible to chat with. Um, so can you give us a little bit of a reprise or a, a, of that post or a little bit of backstory about you? So Regarding that post, I uh, decided to give a little introduction to me, to um, who I am and uh, why I'm here, basically, or why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so in that post, I just introduced myself as being, um, you can call me Dana or Dana Lee, and I'm also known as the Rebel Papillon. And the reason I have that name, uh, Papillon, or the Rebel Papillon, um, is because Papillon is actually a nickname for me. It's French for butterfly. And uh, the, because my mum is French Celtic, uh, it's just really fitting. And because I grew up amongst rebels and radicals, um, I just feel like it's the rebel Papillon is perfect. And I've had that name for quite some time. So I just decided to... Um, utilize that name and make it a bit more than what it was at the time and so um, regarding that intro I just talked a little bit about how I'm um, a papa to the north to Moody Whenua I was born in Kaitaia and um, through my father I actually come from a bloodline that was here before Māori arrived and uh so those are the just my bloodline and the hapu that I fuck a papa back to. And then of course, as mentioned earlier, um, I've got the French Celtic side on my mum's side. And so yeah, grew up amongst activists and then I had uh, my 
grandfathers and my great grandfathers who uh, um, fought uh, way back in the day, and um, including my family, and for this country, or so they thought. Um, and so I just, after watching them and um, attending all these uh, hui that I've been privy to over the years as a child and now as an adult, um, up here in Waitangi, uh, I've just it's played a big role in shaping where I'm at now. And so I feel obligated to, um, well, I feel compelled mm. to do what I do because, well, aside from the fact that my blood's hot um, based on my DNA, um, I grew up watching all these so-called leaders who I thought were for the people and um, turns out they're not because they've flipped and now they're operating for the crown or this government. And so I've really seen that this country needs um, more people like myself, like yourself, and um, so many others that I'm blessed to surround myself with, actually stepping out, saying something, but upholding the integrity, the mana of the mahi that they do. It's definitely time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love how you say, you know, you came from people that fought for the country. Do you feel like you're fighting for your country now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I feel that everything I do, uh, especially within that, not just the public realm, but in the background that I'm not so public about, um, they, as for that, I've got children. Um, so, you know, I also um, have my mother, my father. I'm the oldest of 13 siblings. Um, I Then there's my hapu and our people. And uh, so, yes, I do. I feel like everything I do is for our people. Have you experienced, and I did a post myself just, I think it was last night, you know, sometimes we do. We just feel compelled to speak up and just say something. Um, but do, do you, are you in good company? I suppose, meaning, um, when you want to, wanting to fight for our country and especially for our kids in the future for them mm-hmm. and seeing what you see now with leaders who you thought were well-intentioned and maybe, maybe it's not the case. Do you feel like you're in good company? Like, do you feel like you have a lot of people? Do you feel like more and more people every day are, I use the word awakening, you might use a different word. Um, or do you feel like there's still a lot of work to do and a lot of people to take a stand? Uh, when it comes to the company um, that I keep, I would say that I most definitely am in good company. I'm actually really private and um, and I keep a very small circle around me and I'm blessed to have, I'm blessed that those that are within my circle or that I do surround myself, they are powerhouses mm. and they're fearless and they play quite a big role in um uh, the movement, so to speak, uh, regarding looking, doing mahi that protects the whole, protects all peoples, um, all peoples that consider our nation their home. Uh, I do believe I'm in good company. I believe I'm a lot more blessed than, uh, with regards to the company I keep, uh, than those that I watch growing up. But then I'm also very um, selective with the company I keep. Because in order to 
uphold and in order to maintain my integrity there's a lot of things I say no to and so that means that I need to surround myself with people that are good um that are along the same lines as I am and uh yeah (laughs) also I I should touch on so um, some of your viewers may have seen in the photo that I've got a moko kowai. And um, that moko kowai is basically the contract, um, me signing the contract uh, that I had committed myself to, which is our people, our nation. Um, so I have to uphold that, which is why I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any of those things. I just stay as clean as I possibly can and... Uh, yeah, just do me the best I can to uphold the mana of my moko kawai and the mahi that myself and those around me do. What age did you get that at, the moko kawai? Uh, so the moko kawai I actually just got beginning of last year. I was supposed to get it years ago, but I actually fought it. Didn't really want it. Um, and then... As happens, as you progress through life, um, things change and then the opportunity was presented to myself and our team up here um, to become part of a mokopapa, which is, um, so our team basically signed the contract, which is the mokokowais on our faces in the mata ora, uh, to um, serve our people, serve our country. And so that was January 2022, just before the Wellington protest kicked off. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I I talk a lot about empowered choices, making empowered choices. Mm. And it's interesting how you initially, I think you said fought it off or resisted or it just didn't feel right. In my words, I would say it didn't feel in alignment for you. But then as things changed in the world, and you were talking today about life's journey here and now. And as things change in your life, did it just feel right then? Absolutely. Absolutely. It felt right. And it just, uh, when it first, the opportunity was first presented to myself, I actually said, um, or actually, I don't think I actually said no to the tohunga that was hosting it, but I said no to myself. And then I thought on it and it just wouldn't go away. And so I talked with my whanau, with my family about it. And um, our team talked about it and then, and it just felt right. So I said, you know what, I'm doing it. And then it just all fell into place and it was actually magic. And empowerment is a huge word for you. It is. Yeah. So talk to me about what does empowerment mean to you and how are you using that to, as you said, serve your people and serve New Zealand? So I'll just go back a little bit on this. So um, I was raised to be fearless. There was no room for weakness um, growing up. And so I'm quite bold in the way I am. And there's not much I fear. Um, And anyway, when the whole COVID thing came in, I, because of the fear that I saw um, envelop this country, I felt compelled to do something about it which is I actually talked to in my intro that you referred to earlier on uh, regarding um, I became one of the main quarters for NZ Liberty March, which then became NZ Liberty Movement. 
And what that was about was um, empowering others who knew that something wasn't quite quite right, um, those that were fearful of what this government might do to them, that was kind of where it really kicked in because it was about empowering them um, to get out and face their fears and do something. Um, otherwise, if we do nothing, then um, we are erased from history, basically. And well, that's how I feel. And so that process from 2020 leading on to now where we are 2023 has basically been around being fearless and being an example that shows others that they're not alone. And um, should they dare to speak out, they've got uh, myself and so many others that are here ready to support them and back them up and that we're prepared to actually back them up, not just sit on the fence and just um, um, utter words without any action. We actually action it. That's what we do. So that's where empowerment comes in. I don't like the thought of being of people being fearful. I don't like the thought of people being afraid, um, especially afraid of an assumed authority, a.k.a. the government. And uh, so whatever I can do to empower them, empower them to stand up and feel like they are safe to do that and supported, then, yes, that's where it comes in. And I'm not the only one. Um, my partner, he does the same thing as well. Um, our team does the same thing. They, it's just what we do. I'm just looking at your the post, and I'll put the link for everyone who didn't see it. I'll put that in the replay. You can check it out on her Facebook page. But on on here, it says, "How can I explain the feeling inside me that compels me to fight? A feeling that burns in me like Te Ahi Karoa, the eternal flame. The eternal flame, is it?" Yeah, it's the, the eternal flame. It's the flame that um, keeps everything alive, the, the whakapapa, the knowledge, and then the wisdom we use when applying that knowledge. So beautiful. It's a, it sears my soul and brings tears to my eyes that our beautiful nation is being systematically destroyed by not only a centralized power and media, but by insane group think. My next question to you is, do you think more people will see through it or stand stronger? I'm going to say next time around. Well, if something else comes down the path, which some people are saying it might. I actually believe that right now we're actually going through a bigger awakening um, than we did um, in 2020. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many things coming out at the moment that really do affect the whole um i.e. the a topic that we, uh, myself and my Tani, spoke to a couple of days ago, um, and that is utilising climate emergency um, to remove people from their land, um, from their whenua. So there's an expert working group that are attempting to put something into place where if you can't be persuaded to leave your land or your whenua, then they're just going to force you off with no right of court appeal. So. Uh, that's been a huge awakening. That little thing right there has been a massive awakening for so many. And then there's the um, there's been the therapeutic product spill. There's been the whole three waters thing. Um, there's 
yeah, I just believe that we're going through a far bigger awakening than we ever have. And I like to believe, or I choose to believe, that um, we're gaining in numbers, definitely majority, and that, uh, yeah, more people are certainly coming on board. Well, just from what I'm seeing, that's what I believe. I think you're right. And not obviously not everyone feels the need, uh, you know, it's not about courage, but they don't feel the need to post things on social media. Mm. There will be a lot of people that have similar views, but they just talk amongst themselves. Mm. And I'm so happy that you mentioned that about the climate emergency, because I think people are starting to see what happened in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and then maybe start to question, in my opinion, start to question what happened in, in Hawke's Bay. Uh, it is, it is concerning that, um, people, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, I mean, I'm happy that people are starting to see things more clearly and things are picking up the pace. However, lots of people are really, really suffering as a Mm. result. Yes, they are. And, you know, um, going back to that Lahaina, the thing that happened in Maui, um, yep. Seeing the correlation between events there events we've seen in Hawke's Bay and currently throughout um, the world uh, it has actually been really concerning for a lot. We've had a lot of messages from people that are concerned that should we stand up, that um, what happened in Lahaina might happen to them. But again, so I'll bring that back to what we were talking about earlier on with regards to empowerment. That's why it's important to maintain your um state of mind Mm. and that's why it's important to maintain your um your uh peace of mind and through doing those things and also um i do believe it comes down to um integrity and those topics that we mentioned earlier because um we can't uh, succumb to fear they that's what that side wants us to do they that's why um, so many of these actions take place so that we maintain a fear frequent a fear-based frequency and if that's the frequency we operate on we're never going to get anywhere and um, there's no growth in that frequency so we've got to um, yep be aware and then find solutions and how best can we stay on top of that stay ahead of it and again, um, be fearless and empower those around us to do the same. I love that so much. I wrote down that you, you're empowering people to go from fearful to fearless. And a few mm-hmm. weeks back in one of my interviews, I talked about how the three S's of how do you control people? You make them sick, you make them stressed, and you make them scared. Mm. So how can we take our power back? What are some things you can share with us? How can, if someone is scared or fearful, how can they take their power back? How can they move more towards that fearless or empowered state? I think that comes down to managing oneself because growing up, we watch all these movies and all these cartoons and we're always looking for the knight in shining armor to come and rescue us and to look outside of ourselves for that rescue and that safety. Um, when in reality, it's all internally, internal. And so I do believe that we need to check ourselves. Um, we need to become the observer of our thoughts and recognize that we're sitting in this pattern 
And once we recognize that we're seeing this pattern of, um, I can't do anything, um, I, we're doomed, we're what have you, um, then flip that and start saying, well, actually, you know, um, I am more powerful. Um, I am a supreme being. Um, I can do something about it. And just little steps, even if it's things like um, growing your own gardens, supporting your neighbor. Um, there's a saying, fake it till you make it. Um, that's actually a really, I find that saying is actually quite productive because if you start faking it in order to make it, then you, it becomes a habit. And those are the habits that we want to um, engage in. Habits that are much more productive for our state of mind and those around us. And um, when we manage that state of mind, everything that's out there in the ether that surrounds us just starts to click. And um, you'll start, or those that don't practice it, that do need to practice it, will find that everything will shift. So. I think it's about us. I think we need to start becoming the observer of our own thoughts and check those negative patterns that do not benefit us. I could give you a big corridor about how we need to look to this person and how we need to follow that, but it all comes down to us, who we are. Um, we, there's, in the Bible, it says we were made in the image of God. Uh, well, I believe that God resides within us. And so um, it all starts with us and it starts with that changing the mindset and flipping it. It sounds to me like you, even though you're aware and I'm the same, I still feel positive about the outcome, the future. Mm. Do you feel positive and optimistic despite all these things we've discussed? What Absolutely. is your, yeah. What is your outlook? Yeah. And how can you share it with us? Um, I, it's just a knowing can't explain it it's just a knowing I have a knowing that we win and that this is just a process we're just on the battlefield at the moment and it's just a training ground and it's up to us to evolve and take the lessons that we're learning and um, well, hopefully that we're learning and move forward I yeah, I mean, I can't, I couldn't possibly know all the ins and outs of everything or what's happening in the background. But for me personally, I just have a knowing that we have got this. Um, but in order to hold this, we must ourselves do the mahi, um, do the work, and take action. And so rather than just sit there and hope, like, you know, say some prayers do a little bit of kumbaya and hope that it all just falls into place, we have to action and that starts with us. So no waiting for someone to rescue, but still this mm. inner inner knowing that all is well, but that means not sitting around and doing nothing. Yes, that would yeah. be great. And it doesn't, overview. and once they do something or do action, I'm not talking about that you have to go throw yourself on the front line of something and... um yeah do something that for some of your listeners might be just they're just not there yet um that's where myself and our team and so many more in this country come in because we all love hitting the front line and we are trained for that um and we're well equipped for it but it's things as simple as 
growing um, like marakai, I mentioned earlier, that's just having your gardens, um, gaining sustenance from wherever it is that you're at uh, rather than um, paying to these companies that are just attempting to basically, um, I was going to say, uh, de desecrate. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. But rather than consuming all these products that um, don't uphold the temple that is us, um, rather grow your own. And there's things like supporting your neighbours. Um, there's natural medicines. Uh, you can get involved in that. There's crop, crop swaps. There's um, just anything that benefits the community or the hapu or society in general outside of the system that has assumed this authority and attempts to just thumb you down. So, yeah, you don't have to be wild with regards to your action. Um, I'm aware that we're all on different levels and we all have different personalities and we're equipped for different things. Um, but don't wait for someone to come and save you. Don't look outside of you. Um, to rescue you, it's all you. And you'll find that if you start doing that and start doing these little things that um, bring through the God in you, that you will um, attract like-minded and so you'll just thrive. We would love to know from our beautiful listeners out there, what is resonating for you in this conversation? what questions are maybe coming up, or maybe you want to share with us what you are doing in your life to stay empowered, to get out of that fear state mm -hmm. more towards the fearless state. Um, let us know. You can send us a text 2057-2057 on the text or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Dana before, Dana, before I go to um, the questions that I ask all my guests, is there anything else you want to mention um, from what we've talked about today? or your own life journey here and now? Mm, I just, I think the big one at this point in time is be aware of your environment. Surround yourself with good people. Um, go back to the whenua. And yeah, love thy neighbor. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting, like love thy neighbor for me, um, being a Canadian and I'm moving here in my twenties, I'm a Kiwi by heritage, but Canadian by birth. So I have no Canadian relatives. Everyone's a Kiwi. Um, but I so moved always, and I've never lived in the same city as my, any of my family members since I was 19. So always having to, you know, meet the neighbors and, and meet, meet friends. And one of the things that surprised me the most when we lived through the Christchurch earthquake. And it was like we were cooking dinner on the barbecue because we had no power, no running water and all that. And some of the people, it kind of sometimes it takes a tragedy or mm. something for people to reach out and actually talk to their neighbors. Like some people had never even met before. So I, it's always interesting. Like I really wish we would connect and meet with our neighbors under positive terms rather than coming from a place of disaster or fear. But I think there's never been a time from now more than ever to get to know your neighbors or, or create a community that is intentional, like it with like-minded people. And I know a lot of people are doing that. I know you're up North. Are you seeing a lot of people creating 
communities oh, or becoming more self-sufficient? Absolutely. And actually, I'll just quickly touch on that thing with regards to getting to know your neighbor. Mm. So when um, Cyclone Gabriel hit uh, Hawke's Bay and there were so many of them devastated, and one of the biggest things uh, that I came across down there was that everyone, all these people that had been through this massive um, um, disaster, they had started meeting their neighbors. And their, their neighbours, even though they had been and caught in the same um, situation as those over here and had basically been left with nothing, they were still turning up, helping each other. Um, there were people turning up, cooking meals every single day. Um, there was one couple in particular that I talked to, an elderly couple, and they had their community, someone from their community was checking up on them every single day just to make sure that they were okay. Mm. And that was throughout. And we also actually had the same thing up here too during that, um, during Cyclone Gabriel. But then to bring it back to what you're saying regarding communities. Um, so we're really blessed up here. And I do believe Te Waipounamu or the South Island is also quite blessed in this and that we actually have quite a few communities that are, um, based on what they've been seeing, they've decided to do something about it. And so they've delved into permaculture. Um, they have um, created networks that support each other. So they make contact constantly. They have weekly meetings. Um, they run through scenarios should another emergency take place. You know, what can they do to look after each other and their community? Uh, yeah, we're actually really blessed in that area up here, especially. Mm. Well, I mean, that is, again, people being more empowered about their own mm. um, health, their own happiness, their own safety, but also collectively, not just independently as a family, but looking out for other people, which is is a positive thing. There's, there's something else regarding that. Um, so one of the big things, because of everything that we've seen and what happened with COVID and then the jabs and the state that the doctors and hospitals were in and who and the fact that they wouldn't see the likes of myself, not that I'd go there. Um, but so there's, uh, actually, you know them, the People's Health Alliance. Yeah. So they created these hubs that are completely outside the system and um, they're a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier because they've created these hubs that are incredible when it comes to networking. I've had several friends over the past few months that have um, from dentistry to gallstones and I've just made contact with P, uh, the PHA, People's Health Alliance, and their network has kicked in and all of a sudden I'm picking up um, – products or I'm like put I've got contacts re home um, homeopaths dentists so and that's because that evolved based on the fact that we were left with no choice because of what we saw this government do so that's a perfect example yeah I, I, there's there's some benefits that have come out of it but I think what it's made people do is to re for some people, revisit their own values. You know, what do they stand for? What will they stand for? What will they not stand for? So I'm intrigued to see how people re react and respond going forward. I guess we'll just wait and see. Um, can you let us know what is one thing you've done in the last year to truly up your brave? 
there's actually quite a few things to be totally honest. Um, some of them I can't talk about yet, but you guys will see uh, over the next upcoming months. Um, jumping into a relationship is probably one of the biggies for me. Uh, that definitely requires a whole lot of brave, I believe. But uh, I think the big one has been becoming more public because um, it's something I've fought a lot. I don't really like the, being on this side of the camera. I prefer to be behind it. And in that intro, intro that we mentioned earlier, um, so a lot of people know me from Counterspin Media. And um, I played a big role with regards to the promotion direct, um, and operations of that. And I was far more comfortable on the other side of the camera, camera um, than I was on this side. And it was an issue for the, well, it wasn't an issue. We just used to joke about it because they used to try and get me in front of the camera a lot. And I used to fight it. And I'd only do it if we had no one else. Um, but based on what I feel is a need from our people I've gone on this side and so I'm doing this mahi along with other mahi um so yeah being on the side of the camera doing things like this this is a big one for me because I'm also not a natural uh speaker or public speaker and so knowing that this is just an audio <laughs> is perfect yeah it's so interesting, isn't it? How the universe, you know, sometimes or or God or whoever will put invitation. I call them invitations and opportunities in front of us. And mm -hmm. I mean, I put an invitation in front of you, which is, hey, do you want to be my guest? And you said yes. So thank you for saying yes. And thank you for sharing your wisdom today. Do you have anything on your bucket list? Something you'd love to do, be or experience in your mm -hmm. lifetime that we could possibly help you with? Well, <clears throat> All the things I set for myself over the years, I've actually achieved. And uh, there's one big one that I'm working on at this point in time. And um, I don't really know how much I can actually go into it until I'm actually in it. But it. So... A big thing for me has been creating a nation else um, within a nation or creating a parallel society. Um, I've talked quite a bit about it uh, when I was with Counterspin Media and just as I am. And so that's what I'm working towards. And I'm not the only one. And we've got some big moves coming up in that area. Um, yeah, I. Myself and many others would love to be able to provide a safe place um, that truly does look after uh, this country and those in it. And so, and a place where we have uh, kura or schools, I don't really like that word to be totally honest, um, that is bringing a whole other generation through. Um, the generations that have come through have been, they're a digital generation, basically. And um, a lot of our people don't know how to carry themselves. They don't know how to um, move fearlessly. And I believe that 
the sooner we can start that process with our children and bring through those generations where they are skilled in how to defend themselves, where they know what it looks like to be able to hunt and gather, um, where they know the arts. Uh, yeah, that's the big focus for us. And um, so that's where we're heading, heading in a direction that um, has this national, the society that is operating on a whole other frequency so that those generations to come, um, all the mahi's done here and they can just thrive. It bring, you know, I'm smiling because they're creating that vision and I think that is one of the positive thing that things that's going to come out of all this crazy is people living more with intention and, as you call it, mm -hmm. parallel societies, creating a, a vision for how they want life to be. Not just like, oh, this is how much money I want to earn and this is the job I want to do. Not mm. that kind of, but a greater vision for society. And so that sounds amazing. Um, what And if so, if anyone wants to find out more, maybe they can be, get in touch with you when you're ready to reveal that. What is coming up for you, maybe in terms of business, or how can we connect with you online if people want to follow you on Instagram or Facebook? Okay, so um, I will I'll send you all the links where people can go to. Um, what we're doing at the moment is uh, myself and uh, Aitane Po are holding jurisdictional wānanga, and um, what has he's the one who does most of the speaking on this because he's his brain's just incredible and he has this wealth of knowledge um, that I personally am catching up to um, about what that looks like is um, providing information that can empower those um, that are looking that is outside of this corporate system outside of the company uh, that they can apply to themselves and basically move as divine beings. And um, that also comes back to creating these parallel societies. Uh, so, yeah, that's the jurisdictional wānanga, um, and I'll provide a link for that as well. Okay, so if people want to look you up now, if they're like, oh, my goodness, I want to see her post on Facebook, they look up The Rebel Papillon, yes? Yep, so on Facebook, I'm The Rebel Papillon. And I'm on most platforms, most social media platforms, um, including Telegram. And it is the underscore rebel underscore papillon, which is P-A-P-I-L-L-O-N. Amazing. I didn't know you were on Telegram. I'll look you up there. And the rebel papillon on the other places, Instagram and Facebook. Amazing. And so it's Dana Lee spelt D-A-N-A. Yeah, L-E, two words. Amazing. Oh, great. So before we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners today? Um, I think it'll just come back to the whole be fearless. If there's anything you want to know, feel free to message myself um, or those that whose content I share and uh, just know that you're supported that you're not alone. There's a whole lot of us out here that are ready to have your back and uh, however we can help, we will. But again, start with you and then we can just provide the, the support to enable you to grow. 
Amazing. Start with you. Thank you so much, Dana, for joining us today. Most welcome. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this interview with Dana Lee. We talked about the life's journey here and now. Thanks for listening. It was a real honor uh, to chat with Dana Lee, a.k.a. the Rebel Papillon. We discussed a whole range of things about life's journey here and now. We talked about empowering people to go from fearful to fearless. We talked about integrity and saying no, the New Zealand liberty movement. And then, of course, you know how I'm a huge fan of being uh, proactive, but not paranoid. So being prepared, but not paranoid. We talked a little bit about um, crop swaps and community Um, and creating parallel societies and the concept of self-determination and sovereignty. I loved what the phrase that she said, I am all powerful. I am a supreme being. You can learn more about Dana Lee on the Rebel Papillon on Instagram, and they have a new website coming out. And this is going to be amazing for helping you, empowering you um, to look at how you can be prepared, uh, look at creating a community with like-minded people. So you can definitely check that out. Just go and follow her, the Rebel Papillon on Instagram. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. As you may know, uh, at this point in the show, I love to do a flashback, sometimes followed by a little sneak peek of what's coming up. Um, if you just joined us, we've had an amazing trio of guests today, powerful women in their own right. We had Kim Knight on the power of the body to self-heal, followed by Joe Birch, detoxing your body and lessening your toxic load. And just now we talked to Dana Lee, the rebel papillon on life's journey here and now. And right here and now, I'm going to share with you a little flashback. A few weeks ago, we had the amazing Rob Robertson. He's got such a deep voice. Um, And he talked about building trust for greater flow. Here's a little clip that I'd love to share with you, where he's sharing some insight about how to get off Struggle Street. What are some practical things or some uh, like, um, or an experience or an act? Um, activity that someone can do for to help themselves move away from struggle street and to be more in flow in their daily life well it's understanding the difference between thoughts and emotions and gut feel in terms of decision making and there's a great book called embraining which explains the research behind the different intelligence that we have so if we're then aware of whether it is we're busy mad thinking about things as opposed to just getting a feel and a sense or an instinct that's the first thing and something if you're looking for really practical it's really a big believer that whenever we get triggered emotionally that's our pain body coming up to show itself but the fundamental thing is and one day this will be taught in schools our pain body wants to be released and a pain body is simply a collection of all negative emotions over the years that just form into these little icebergs in our unconscious. And so this comes up into our psyche and we get triggered. And that might be anger. Like, like this morning, I was just getting a bit feeling off. And there's actually a process because our pain body wants to be released. And we don't get taught a simple technique, which I teach, which is around releasing a pain body. And it's about if you're in an environment where you can be by yourself or be private to release it, you actually drop into 
what the trigger is. I feel like today it was a bit annoyed, and so I drop into really feeling it. And as the technique is in its simplest few sentences, you just feel what's happening and ask where it's coming from or ask what's under that. You don't need to think about it. You just actually feel what the emotions are there and go under it and you actually release a whole lot of layers of stuff. And that's so empowering because it's then respecting your heart fully and knowing that whatever emotions are there and coming through or coming out, you drop into them and actually really feel it because if it's the pain body coming up, it's all it can be sadness, anger, can be all sorts of negative emotions and it's just an iceberg coming up. And if we get into a process of just really feeling it, but most people feel the surface and particularly uh, in society and perhaps New Zealand, it's more common that and that females are good at feeling and males may not be, mm-hmm. but it's still, if you're just feeling above the surface and what's happening there without going down, we miss out on this opportunity to release layers and layers of our pain body and grow. So it's a form of self-therapy, self-healing which I've done so much of over the years. And that's been the key to building trust because the more of our pain body that's floating around in our unconscious, that creates and manifests our future. And that is what creates our either trust or lack of trust. And for me, it hadn't been a great self-esteem and self-doubt. And I went into the head to feel safe and positive and feel control. But as you offload that, you just get left with it's a completely different energy. It's a, it's a knowing and a trust because you don't have all these pain body floating around in your psyche, unconscious, that's creating all this doubt. And you just have a whole different energy. That was sort of a bit of a spiel. You're listening to Natalie Cutler Welsh on the Up Your Brave show. And now it's time for a quick sneak peek. This is a little clip from an upcoming interview where I'm talking with a healer, Melly Rose. We're discussing the concept of ascension and the power of collective energy to raise the frequency. So some topics that might be new to some of my listeners. And for some of you, you'll be really pleased to hear this on the airwaves. Here we go. As we start to become more spiritual, we emit a different electromagnetic frequency. And that is in our auric field, which, you know, runs several meters out of our body. Now, the more people that start to emit this higher frequency, the more that it starts to change the planet's energy. And so with the light coming in and more and more people emitting a different frequency, there is this quite rapid ascension that's occurring on the planet. And that ascension is really, really exciting because now I'm starting to see things uh, that, you know, I really don't think I would have seen maybe 10 years ago. Um, I'm starting to see when when I am looking uh, in deep meditation or when I'm tuning in with a client, I'm starting to see uh, real major change in the way that the the planet's um, frequency is being held. And so, you know, what does this mean for us at a base level? Uh, It means that... Yeah, I'm like, are you seeing good things? (laughs) Yeah, it basically means that we're going to start seeing a lot of change over the next few years on the planet. And... The change is going to be rapid because when we have a collective desire for something to be better, we are able to create really rapid transformation. Mm 
So if everybody actually came together and they wanted the best for the planet and for everyone on the planet, and instead of uh, how can I make the most money, how can I be, you know, the biggest, uh, most famous person, uh, how can I have all this power? And yeah, control? how can I get the pay rise? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If we if we removed all of that, then we would have this collective ascension that would be almost instantaneous. Uh, but we still have people, you know, that are very much in that mode of thinking. But that's okay because we actually only need, you know, about 10% of people in this new frequency. Right. So I was going to ask you, so is it like a critical mass situation? Yes. Yes. That sounds low. Ten percent sounds low, but I like the sound of that. That means we don't need every single person to be. We do not. Yeah, at yeah. that same vibration or frequency. Okay. We really don't. We really don't. I mean, ten percent does sound low, um, but so that's why when you look around, a lot of people would say, "Well, I'm not seeing that. I'm just seeing a bunch of people, you know, still uh, eating bad food and um, living in this toxic environment and not wanting to change anything." Yes, there is still that, but at this ten percent level, and in fact, even one percent is going to do it. It's just that will take longer. But at ten percent, um, and I believe we actually have more than ten percent. I believe we would be closer to twenty, thirty percent. Um, of people really, truly wanting uh, the, you know, the best for the planet, the best for people. And at that kind of level, you're emitting enough electromagnetic frequencies of a higher vibration to create real change. And what will happen is you're going to gravitate towards other people because you're um, your electromagnetic fields are going to match, right? So you're going to be looking for a frequency match when you are searching on social media. You're going to be looking for a frequency match when you meet new friends. You do this. You do this without realizing it at a subconscious level anyway. Uh, but you're going to start doing that more and more consciously. And then you're going to start collaborating and making more. And this is what you're brilliant at, Natalie. Mm. It's you're you're brilliant at bringing people together in this collaborative way and wanting the best for everyone, wanting to build everyone up, wanting to promote everyone. And that actually feeds your soul. Like that actually gives you energy and joy. And the more people realize that if they do that, that actually brings them joy. And joy is one of the highest vibrations on the planet then the faster this is going to move. It's interesting terminology. I was at a networking event today. We have to go, we go around the table and introduce ourselves. And I say, Natalie Cutler-Welsh from upyourbrave.com, speaker, author, whatever. And then I said, you know, I help people who are ready to shine. And I've been using those words for probably about six years. And that's interesting, right? Because people who are ready to shine are people who are not stuck stuck in their story. They're not in victim limiting belief. They're ready to be seen and heard and get their message to the world. They actually are vibrating, you know, living life on a higher frequency. I would call them like all my people are quite high vibe. They're re- and they're here for more. You know, they're here to change the world in, in a positive way. So it's very interesting. And th- they are the people that I bring together. But I feel I hear what you're saying. So if we're if we attract more people that are on the same frequency as us, do we similarly and at the same time 
move away from or repel people that are not the people that are at a much lower vibration? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a it's such a a hard one, isn't it? Because people are starting to feel uh, isolated from family members, isolated from uh, people that they've hung out with their whole life, and we don't want that. Like we, you know, we want everyone to be there with us, right? Uh, but the the simple truth is, you may find yourself spending less time or finding it harder to connect uh, with certain people. Mm-hmm. That does not mean, I want to be really clear, that does not mean that if they are not spiritual and thinking exactly the same thoughts as you, then you can't be friends with them. That's got nothing to do with it. This is about the uh, frequency of compassion, kindness, and uh, and you know, service to other. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, for joining us today on the Up Your Brave show, where it was all about the power of the body and life's journey. And how is your life's journey going at the moment? I imagine some people are finding it, like, like Rob talked about, Struggle Street. And some people are actually maybe in their flow. I'm hoping, it is my hope and intention that through listening to my show, maybe catching some replays, you leave here today feeling uplifted, motivated, and more on path with what you're here to do in the world. That's what I'm all about. Um, If you want to learn more, you can go to upyourbrave.com to find out about what I do, empowering people with visibility, vitality, and extraordinary impact. And I'm also doing a free course at the moment, four weeks to better wellness and vitality. There's a link. You can find it. Um, it's actually a Facebook group, but the easiest way to find it, upyourbrave.com, and you can click through to there and join that. We are doing detox this week, and we're moving on next week to raising your resilience. Uh, stay tuned, by the way. Stay with us here on Reality Check Radio. We've got Peter Williams coming up next, and both of us will see you, actually, if you're going to the NZDSOS New Zealand Doctors Speaking Out with Science uh, conference. It's happening this Saturday, Saturday and Sunday in Auckland. Peter and I will both be there, as well as some other people from Reality Check Radio. We're going to have a display table. You can come and say hi. You can purchase some merch if you want to. That's uh, cool talk for T-shirts and hats and bags. I will also be there with my Up Your Brave table because I'm sponsoring the conference as well. I will have my essential oils available and my wake-up hats. But if you're not going to the conference, you can check it all out on upyourbrave.com. And of course, you can purchase some merch and become a foundation member on realitycheck.radio. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Remember to stay inspired, to be the true and powerful you, and always up your brave. Would you like to be a part of Reviving Honest Media? At RCR, we're on a mission to do just that. We report on critical, censored stories and hold those in positions of power to account. As Paul Brennan says, it's a good mission. Now there's an easy way to support RCR and at the same time receive some amazing benefits. Our Foundation Membership Club is here. As a member, you'll enjoy a host of exclusive benefits, including a daily bite-sized news digest, a backstage pass to RCR and discounted merchandise. Find out all you need to know about our foundation membership now at www.realitycheck.radio. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. 
on RCR. Reality Check Radio.